0: And then uh... Honorable members,
1: the political leadership
2: uh,
1: of the political leadership of the Department of Public Service and Administration, and the and the board members that will be around for this uh, presentation uh, of the APP of uh, the department and its entities. Uh, I might have to get a sense as to whether we have uh, the minister, the deputy minister, so that we can then allow them an opportunity to to give us uh, and the opening remarks. Yes, brother. Oh, okay, no, it's fine because I was told that the minister was struggling to log in, but I can say that the minister is in now. Okay, beautiful. Uh, I think then, uh, without any waste of time, let me then uh, welcome the minister and the commissioners, and uh, also the, the delegation from the School of uh, Government uh, and the Centre for, for 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 innovation. Uh, today's meeting is particularly geared towards. Uh, a uh, Presentation uh, from the department uh, on uh, on the APP uh, of uh, the Department of Public Service and Administration, the the uh, National School of Government, the Public Service Commission. Uh, earlier on the the uh, uh, committee Secretary Dr. Uh, Suleika had uh, uh, published the the agenda and the agenda as as, 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 as as it is. We will be starting with the briefing by the department uh, together with the Center for Public uh, for for uh, Innovation and also then it will be the National School of Government and then it will be the Public Service Commission. Then thereafter, we will then uh, uh, engage at uh, uh, the level of question and answers. So it is important that members uh, must be able to to take down uh, uh, issues of question and engagement as we go through the presentation. such so that uh, by the time we are, uh, done with the presentation, uh, we we are then in a better position to engage. So, without any waste of time, let me give over to the to the minister uh, to uh, give us a welcome remarks. Over to you, minister. Thank
3: you very much, uh, Honourable Chairperson, and the. Uh, the members of the committee, the deputy minister, the DG, and officials of the department, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for this opportunity to present the strategic plans and the APPs of the department and its entities. Both uh, the EA and the officials, we are committed to the principle of parliamentary oversight. The officials will will give a detailed presentation. I just want to flag uh, the following issues. First, in relation to the Department of Public Service and Administration Strategic Plan and APP, in line with the priorities of the sixth administration, the DPSA 2020-25 Strategic Plan and the 2022-23 annual performance plans are informed by the aligned or and aligned to priority one of the MTSF, building a capable ethical and developmental state. Also focusing on the following departmental strategic priorities, the improved implementation of BATUBI, the complete implementation of the Public Administration Management Act, a stabilized public service, intensifying, I mean intensifying the fight against corruption and improved implementation of administrative policies. I also need to flag program three, <clears throat> negotiations, labor relations and remuneration management, which focuses on the following. Strengthening collective bargaining processes for the state in the public service coordinating <clears throat> bargaining council. The personnel expenditure reviewed, the job evaluation system for the public servants. discipline management strategy, all justice, crime, and prevention and security a cluster departments supported to implement this lifestyle audits as well as program five, which is government services access and improvement. The department is working hard to change the prevalent perception of the public service as lacking dedicated ethical and skilled personnel that are professional and capable enough to to respond to the challenges of the service delivery that face the country today. In relation to the national school of government the NSG a priority of this administration is to build a capable ethical and developmental state so the NSG must ensure that it provides training and development opportunities to public servants and elected public representatives in order that they fulfill their responsibilities I am encouraged, uh, Honorable Chairperson and members, that the elected representatives and appointed officials are going back to class in spite of the effects of the COVID 19 pandemic. These include members of the executive in the three spheres of government the state entity board members, public servants, and public sector leaders. As the Minister of Public Service and Administration, we are now at an advanced stage of finalization of the national framework towards implementation of professionalization of the public sector. And in this year, we will be submitting the final framework for the approval of the cabinet together with clear implementation proposal. So the NSG has made significant strides over the past two years, including the following. There's we seen an exponential growth in the e-learning environment over the past two years, exceeding the targets, hosting successful leadership development interventions, including the School of Economics Governance and the program on executive oversight. Partnerships with 10 national higher education institutions as well as international institutions. The rollout of flagship programs in the areas of effective uh, governance, gender and transformation, leadership, induction and policy and regulation. In relation to the Center for Public Service Innovation, the CPSI, Strategic Plan and APP, I should just flag: The CPSI remains a critical role player in the transformation of the public service. It has to facilitate the development of an enabling environment that allows innovation to thrive and catalyzes improved service delivery uh, performance. Within the public sector innovation program, there are three sub programs, research and development to inform the selection and development of the potential innovative models and solutions. Institutional support and replication for mainstreaming of innovative solutions for the public sector to improve service delivery. And then enabling environment and stakeholder management would develops and maintains the partnerships and stakeholder relations to enhance that cooperation. So the targets and outcomes of that strategic plan align with these broad areas and objective. And it's worth mentioning that the CPSI achieved the fifth annual clean audit. Leading by example. So the programs include the annual public sector innovation conference and the webinars, the annual public sector innovation awards, and the public or publication of ideas that work, the South African Innovation Journal. In relation to the Public Service Commission, the PSC, Strategic Plan, and APP, I would want just to flag the following. The PSC is at the heart of the priority one of the MSTF, a capable ethical and developmental state, and has realigned its strategic plan and targets accordingly. The PSC is therefore part of the programs dedicated to the professionalization of the public service. Hence, the 2021 24 strategic plan outputs include the following. Improved culture of service delivery, sound leadership practices in the public service, a well-coordinated monitoring and evaluation system, as well as tightening up on time taken to complete investigations. I also need to flag that the PSC provincial offices respond to specific provincial issues uh, right across the country, e.g. in the Eastern Cape inspection of the implementation of service river delivery reports on the school children, crossing dangerous rivers. Um, right, even in the other provinces, there are programs which they are following uh, very meticulously. Again, thank you for this opportunity, Chairperson and members. Then uh, I think uh, the DG and the leaders of the various entities will be able to give the details. Thank you, sir
1: thank you thank you thank you minister for the opening remarks and setting the scene for the for your team to to uh, for ahead. over to you dg may i just say that uh, it is going to be a marathon uh, meeting here uh, honorable minister so the team must be must be mindful of the fact that it is <laughs> this meeting starting at uh, 18 hours so they don't have to go word by word, they will just speak to the presentation so that we have ample opportunity to engage. But what do you Minister, and the DG, so. Thank you, Comrade Kenny. Thank you, thank you, Minister. Hey, DG.
4: Thank you, Chairperson. Good afternoon, Chairperson and the honorable members. Can I just ask, before we start, uh, confirm the time that were are allocated for the presentation, Chairperson? You have
1: 30 minutes, uh, DG.
4: <laughs> okay, I i am going to ask, um, a cha- I'm expecting um, a, a, a load shedding anytime in my house, so I've asked a, a colleague to help with the presentation, uh, he will take over, and I will just advise him uh, to try and ensure that we don't exceed at least 20 minutes for both the presentation on the APP as well as the financial information that we're supposed to be presenting on. So there's two colleagues, the CFO as well as Mr. Siabulela, who is our director responsible for strategic uh, planning. With your permission, Chair, I will hand over to him and I will ask him to spend 15 minutes on the presentation. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, thank you, thank you, DJ.
1: Thank you Samuel
0: very Lema. much, Oh, Thank you very much, DJ. Uh Good afternoon, uh, 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 Chair. Uh, good afternoon, committee members. I'm not sure if you, you can see my presentation from your side. But yeah, I will try can. to be. We can
1: see. You can just show your face for the purpose of recording and then
0: message uh, uh, ahead
1: for the media purposes.
5: OK.
0: Yes, I'm not sure if you can see my my face from your side. We can, we can, but we can proceed. We'll find a way. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Chair, for allowing me to to to. to Sabunala,
4: just before you start, oh, yes, I wanted to ask that it be put on presentation format. Thank you.
0: Okay, good. thank you very much, uh, uh, DG. Uh, Thank you, uh, Chair. Basically, this is a presentation as already uh, DG uh, alluded that it's a 2022-2023 annual performance plan and the revised strategic plan. I'm not going to spend more time on the outline of the presentation. However, I think it is very important, Chair, just to apply that this annual performance plan demonstrate the commitment of the department on on how it's going to contribute towards Achieving uh, the priority number one of the MTSF, which is, I think, all of us we know that uh, uh, we are working very hard to ensure that we are building a capable state and ethical and development state. However, it is very important, Chair, just to up, uh, appreciate the fact that this APP is also outlined aligned with the our strategic plan, which was developed in twenty, which we started in twenty twenty and also uh, as you recall that our strategic plan consists of five uh, uh, priorities however uh, uh, this app is 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 also having a clear intervention targets that are seeking to demonstrate uh, uh, the implementation of our strategic plan and and, and currently uh, the the current app consists of 26 annual targets as you compared in the last uh, financial year so, at a macro level, really, this APP is, is, is outlined. But, however, this is our strategic overview, Chair. Uh, as a department, we are working very hard to ensure one day that we are a professional institution, a productive and responsive uh, public service and administration. And we are underpinned by our very clear values, which we think that we are a, a, a belonging uh, institution, we are a very care institution, and also we serve. I'm not going to spend more time about our vision uh, chair, but I think uh, uh, our mandate as DPSA is underpinned or is drawn from the three important uh, document. The first one is the is the constitution if you recall that chapter 10 of the constitution which is uh, section 196 uh, 97 state that uh, the DPSA, Uh, we must strive to ensure that a public administration must be governed by the democratic values and the principles encouraged in the constitution. So these are the functions that really uh, 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 we are expected by the the constitution to be driving on a daily basis. So they are very clear in, in the constitution. However, Chair, we do have a a, a public service act of 1994 which also outlines our mandate and also our function together with the public uh, uh, administration management act which really seeks to provide as a department we must be able to provide a uniform legal framework across three spheres of of government for bringing some degree of commonality for of peoples in in the public administration areas So, so i think this is what really Make us to ensure that we understand our mandate and we are clear on what we are expected to be driving. Uh, Chair, again, this one is uh, executive uh, management structure. As you know, that we are uh, uh, we do have uh, our uh, minister who is acting at the moment, and also we are also being led by the deputy minister and also the DG, uh, uh, which also we do have. DDGs at the different uh, 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 programs. Uh, Currently, we have five programs as the organization. So this is really the the leadership of the department chair. And again, as I was already mentioning that this APP is underpinned and aligned uh, uh, by the strategic outcomes. Uh, Currently, there are five outcomes. Uh, When we were developing the AP or reviewing the APP, we didn't change any outcomes. Uh, we will be continued, uh, continuing uh, during the term to ensure that uh, really we are achieving uh, these five broad outcomes. The first one, Chair, is more about improving the implementation of batupile Matupi- As the organization, we did really uh, 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 develop and revive the a uh, uh, program or strategy to ensure uh, that really, uh, uh, as the public service, we're really creating value Right on the ground and so that uh, colleagues are, are, are really uh, uh, implementing our our policies based on the Batu Pile uh, strategy. We are really t- ensuring that we are fighting e- corruption uh, 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 on a daily basis. We do have programs that our chief directorate that is designated designated to ensure that. Is, is really assisting the public service to fight against corruption. And other uh, priorities are more about ensuring we're improving the implementation of public administration management, and, as well as ensuring that really we're improving the implementation of administration policies. policies. Uh, Chair, as part of the remind, uh, 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 refresher, Chair, is that as you look at the, MT, at the revised MTSF targets, Our minister is having a responsibility to drive these nine targets. Uh, The first target, and I I, I think I I must not spend more time, but they are clear. But let me assure you, Chair, that all these nine targets, when we started uh, this current uh, administration or term, we did ensure that our APP is also finding expression about this target. Some of them, are going to be achieved during this current financial year. Some of them were achieved in the last financial year. For example, Chair, uh, last financial year, we did manage to develop the lifestyle audit guidelines, uh, uh, which really, uh, are really trying to seek to ensure that we are strengthening the issue of lifestyle audit within, amongst uh, the employees of government. We are continuing, again, to institutionalize the professionalization code of ethics amongst the public administration. So these are the work that are, are really uh, a are, are final expression in the APP. And we hope that by the end of March next year, we'll be able to demonstrate the things that we, we achieve uh, regarding that uh, areas. Again, Chair, there are 10 target that a uh, minister is expected to be supporting other departments that are instructed to lead these priorities that are, are, are within the revised MTSF, uh, you can see in the presentation chair, that we demonstrated who are the departments that are leading this target. But what will be our what what will be our contribution? We are we are fully aware, chair, that some of this target we don't have a control uh, in terms of our mandate as a department, but we do have system procedures that are in place to support. Uh, uh, other departments uh, uh, in terms of trying to assist them to achieve uh, uh, these. Uh, uh, for example, the issue of chair uh, uh, we've been working very hard with the, the, the COGTA department to ensure that really we are developing a joint plan together with the, the, the COGTA in order to ensure that really we are assop- assisting the department to really achieve the implementation of DDM. Chair, again, this is just a strategic overview of our programs. As I was saying that DPSA consists of five programs. If you look at the previous years, before this current term, term we used to have uh, six programs. However, because of uh, we wanted to refocus and, and focus on the things that are really affecting the broader picture of public services and we tried to revise our, strat- our, our, our structure. Hence, today uh, the DPSA is operating with five programs. Uh, but the, the core programs within Program Five are the human resource management and development, the negotiation, labor relations, and relation management, and the e government services and information management. The last one, Chair, is the one that is key, which is the face. Uh, uh, of of the department in terms of the service delivery, which is called the Government Services Access and the Improvement, Chair. Uh, uh, Again, Chair, in terms of program one, uh, the department or program one is continuing to provide the strategic leadership management and support services to the department. This responsibility, Chair, again, is being driven at the office of DG, where currently they are on a daily basis providing that strategic leadership so that at the end of the day, we can be able to ensure that the strategic trust or the political trust that is given from the, from the Office of Minister is really cascaded down to everyone or to every unit. Hence, it is very important that uh, we are driving or providing that strategic leadership. say again, in terms of the measurements or indicators on the target under Programme 1, chair. Uh, 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 we have seven targets that uh, the department will be driving uh, during uh, the the current APP, which is 2022. So uh, I think as the organization, we decided also to strengthen or to continue to strengthening the provision of financial management, uh, especially the internal control and compliance uh, services by ensuring that we are monitoring, Chair, the fruitless and, and wasteful and irregular expenditure. Hence, the department really does not have a, a fruitless and, waste, and wasteful expenditure, Chair. However, Chair, you will recall that in terms of the Broadband Economic Empowerment Act of 2003, it stated that Section 13G, Chair, it stated that all the departments must be able to ensure we report, right, on, on the compliance of broadband place economic empowerment, hence, the organization we we, we 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 took a decision to measure the biannual reports in order to ensure really we are complying with a uh, 2003 uh, uh, act. Again, say we are very sensitive and 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 uh, around the issues of institutional capacity to mainstream the issues of gender, youth, and disability. Trans Hence, uh, as an organization, we took a decision to ensure that really we are measuring the SMS position uh, the, the women at the SMS, uh, uh, we, uh, we we take a decision that we must measure 50%. Uh, so again, as an organization, we will continue to ensure uh, that we are uh, striving uh, uh, to ensure that we are tabling those two important bills. Uh. The first one is more about the public service amendment bill. We do have some challenges, but we think uh, that uh, uh, we'll be able to achieve those two targets around the public administration management amendment bill, and also the public service amendment bill. That is a nutshell about program one chair, which is administration driven. Chair program two really is more about the development and the implementation and the monitoring of human resource management policies chair. So really this program consists of three sub program, Uh, which one of the critical programs is about human resource planning and also the public service leadership management. There are four targets, or indicators that the department is going to uh, deliver during 2022-2023. The first one, we already developed the legislation framework on the mandatory in-service training for the public service uh, 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 development, however, chair, this current financial, we hope that this directive is going to. I mean, we will develop a directive that is going to support right the implementation or the institutionalization of the legislation framework around the mandatory in-service training. The work is currently happening, chair, and however, chair, again, you will recall that call that last 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 year. Uh, we started the exercise of reviewing the human resource management and development strategy. We are hoping that say, this year we, we are going to get the approval. We are going to finalize that process. And also we already started to implement, I mean, to develop the implementation plan on how are we going to achieve our really predetermined objectives in our HRM and strategy. Again, say, we will continue to develop the job competency framework for the public service uh, 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 the whole country. The last one, Chair, which is the indicator which talks about the annual compliance monitoring report. Chair, we do have the the chief directorate within our unit, which is called the Office of Standard and Compliance, which is really, their mandate is derived from the Public, um, uh, public Administration Management Act. Really, they are working very hard chair, to ensure that they are evaluating the appropriateness of norms and standards within public se- services and continuing to monitor and promote the compliance in the norms and standards. So on an annual basis, they are expected to develop chair, that compliance monitoring report just to assess the compliance of public uh, 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 service institution. Chair. When I go to program three chair, uh, uh, this program, their purpose really is to manage and oversee the negotiations. I think all of us, we are aware about the process of negotiations and also they are responsible to oversee the labor relationship and the remuneration management chair. These are the sub-program within that program chair. I'm not going to waste more time, but uh, however chair, the unit or the program is going to uh, uh, measure a three clear tar- I mean, six clear targets. The first one is more about the issue of, of negotiation. We took a decision that uh, 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 as a department, we, we appreciated that there is a gap. We don't have really uh, the bargaining uh, policy. What we'll do this year, we are working very hard to develop the collective backending policy. That, and also the procedures that is going to really assist uh, uh, the process in terms of strengthening the collective bargaining processes for the state in the public service. So that is the first clear uh, deliverable that we are planning to do. However, chair, within Program Two, we've been we've been requested in previous years to ensure that really we look at the uh, uh, functional structures for Program One, chair, uh, look at the function and on, and also trying to, to ensure that program one really is talking to, to, the, to the main or the key uh, service delivery uh, 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 programs. So hence, the department really took a, 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 a process of reviewing the generic functional structure for all program one within the public services. Again, there is a, a project that we also started last year and we hope that uh, this year which is this current financial year uh, uh, we are going to be finalizing it's called the personal expenditure review project the purpose of this really project uh, project uh, is to review uh, uh, and also to check the issues of expenditure especially uh, the wage bill and other issues that makes uh, 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 really the the personal expenses are to be high. So it's not a fixed exercise. I think it's going to be a fifth uh, uh, project since uh, previous years. So we hope that by this coming financial year, I mean, by the 31st of March, we will be able to finalize this project. There is a service provider that is is the place that is currently uh, working within the department the issue of, of collecting data and other issues, they already started that, Chair. Again, we are expected, Chair, to to, to conduct the job evaluation system, Chair. We, 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 the department, again, we are uh, busy with, with the process of, of getting the suitable service provider to, to, to conduct the job evaluation system. And I think, Chair, by having this system, is going to be able to assist in future to support other departments in order to ensure uh, the, the issue of institutionalization and application of the job evaluation system. Again, uh, as I was saying, Chair, again, we do have the unit or chief directorate that is designated Chair, to f- assist the public service to fight the corruption. Chair. As part of our strategies, we are going to develop Chair, the discipline management strategy. And we hope that By the by the uh, next one, I mean by the 31st of March, we'll be able to have the strategy so that at least we manage the issue of a timely resolution of the disciplinary cases. Uh, Again, I think I already talked about the the lifestyle audit guidelines that we think we are going to be implementing in this current financial year. We are targeting the the cluster of the justice and crime prevention and security. Department say, those were going to be the first our priority for this current financial year. Chair, the, uh, the, the, the fourth program is called the e government services and information management chair. Their responsibility really is to create an environment for the deployment of information technology as one of the strategic tools for uh, public administration. So, really, this uh, 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 program chair is responsible to implement the e-government, is responsible to ensure we are strengthening the modernization and the digitalization of the public service. As I was saying that uh, in order to ensure that we are implementing the e-government strategy, we need also to come up with some uh, policies that are going to be able to assist the, the, and also give the guidance in terms of how do we develop, I mean, how do we implement this uh, e-government strategy? So. Uh, the first policy is more about the digital, digital government policy framework that we are going to be developing. And we assume that by next year we'll be able, uh, which is 2023, implement and monitor the implementation. Because as DPSHA, we want to ensure that really we, we, we are strengthening the modernization and digitalization of the public service. Again, uh, there will be a standards which talks about the digital service attributes that we think that is going to be able to assist the the organization when they are implementing this digital government policy. The last one said, which is, I think is very important because we already developed the public service data and information management strategy or framework. Now this year we are focusing to developing the directive in order to ensure that we are enforcing the culture of, 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 of promoting the data management or the information management Within the, the the public service uh, uh, chair, so the last uh, program chair, which is is more really uh, a close to the service delivery, is, 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 is their responsibility is more about uh, managing and facilitate the improvement of service delivery in the government. They are almost uh, a plenty of sub program within that you uh, a program chair, but really. Uh, they are critical because others are more looking at the service delivery planning and also operational plan management, which they are really dealing with the issues of business processes and other uh, delivery mode and standard operation procedures. So again, we do have a critical uh, sub-programme which is called Community Development and C- and Citizens and Relations, which is really they are working uh, very hard to ensure uh, systems and strategies such as Pile and other programs are being implemented. Chair, uh, uh, program five consists of six targets. Uh, uh, they are going to measure six targets, right? The, the first one, which I already mentioned, Chair, it's about the institutionalization, Chair, of the Organizational Functional Assessment Framework, uh, which is one of the tools that uh, the, the department is going to be uh, 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 implementing. Really, the tool is going to assist the department to conduct the capacity and the functional self-assessment. This current financial, we are targeting three. uh, I mean, next financial, we will continue uh, 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 institutionalizing, implementing, and rolling out, and supporting other departments. Another one is, is more about the implementation of business process modernization. Uh, in, the, in the in the in the in the in the current financial year, we are targeting to partner with three departments eh, to start to begin to uh, to institutionalize the implementation of business process modernization. Again, eh, I already mentioned that within the chief direct, I mean within the program, uh, the battle pillar program strategy was 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 reviewed, and also and also current this year was also approved. So, what we did as an organization is to take a decision to support right the battle program through a uh, 10 sector focus section per year, and, and also trying to reach almost all the program, i mean, all the provinces regarding ensuring that we are introducing and institutionalizing this revised battle program, Share uh, the third last indicator, share. As you recall that the DPSA uh, is also responsible to develop the African peer review mechanism a second generation country uh, which the report was was developed uh, in the last financial year was also presented to minister and other countries were part of, 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 of were invited however chair, one of the next deliverable, when we developed the African peer review mechanism, a second generation cardinal report, is to develop a clear APRM national plan of action chain. This national plan of action is having a clear deliverables with a clear time frame on how are we going to implement the recommendation that uh, 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 were, were drawn from the report. so as an organi- as organization for, this current financial year will be busy uh, consulting other stakeholders and developing the, the this national plan of action. Again, there is a critical issue that the organization is taking serious around the issue of a service delivery improvement plan, say, because we believe that SDM is one of the tools that uh, are very critical in order to improve the picture of the performance of the, the public service. So this uh, current financial year, the department we will uh, assess right the, the, the department in terms of SDIP uh, uh, implementation, but also trying to introduce uh, the automation, right or automated system regarding the SDIP. But the bigger picture today is to also integrated the SDIP with the with the whole picture of the planning chair. Because I think as an organization, we identify that there is also a gap. So these are the strategies that we are trying to introduce in order to strengthen. The last indicator chair is around the research study that is going to be conducted on the state of public service delivery. Uh, 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 this current financial, which is 2022, we are going to focus on the research study, on, on assessing the maturity and also the state of public service delivery. Uh, and we hope that the study will be approved and de- I mean uh, conducted or commissioned this year. And also our aim is to ensure that we have a clear recommendation that are implementable so, 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 so that we can begin to address the service delivery challenges chair, and it's also it's part of the the, the system thinking or the integration, or, or, or approach chair. So che, the last portion of our presentation is is the revised strategic plan chair. We did a uh, uh, review our strategic plan as the management chair. We agreed that our strategic outcome are still relevant, right? And then and the only thing that we need to review. Is the organizational uh, structure <clears throat> because the organizational structure was approved by the previous minister in October 2020? While we already begin implementing the current structure, hence, this year chair, we reviewed our straight plan ensuring that our spread plan is also talking with the current uh, uh, situation that is happening, for example. The previous structure, we used to have a stru- uh, program. Currently, we try to re-engineering and also ensuring that our program is more focused, not only internal, but also outside uh, focused. Hence, we have the government service access and improvement. So, so And also, we established uh, two chief directorate. I already mentioned the first one is about the Office of Standard and Compliance, which previous years was not there, uh, and also the ta which, uh, which is a public administration ethics integrity and DC, DC, uh, disciplinary technical unit, assistant unit. chair. So, c'est, this is a picture of our plan in terms of the things that we are committing the citizens that we are going to be driving in the current financial year, which is 2022, and we hope that by agreeing on this intervention, we assume that we'll be able to create the change that the country is seeking to, to 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 achieve. Let me pause uh, here and just well uh, 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 give an opportunity our CFO to just give us the high level uh, uh, allocation per program and also yes, thanks uh, CFO. Uh,
6: good evening, everyone. It's Desiree Wilson are here. I'm standing in for the CFO who is unfortunately not available at the moment. Um, I will see if you will please uh, navigate the slides for me. I think that would be easier than to reshare at this stage. Um, oh. Basically Okay, basically, the allocation for the um, DPSI budget is 540 million for the current financial year, and you will see that there's a slight increase over the MTF. Um, our budget also includes the transfer payments to the Centre for Public Service Innovation. You will see it there at the bottom at 44.5 million, 44, 45.3 and then 47.4 over the uh, MTF. I think you can go to the next slide. And this is just a percentage breakdown of our allocation according to programs. You will see that program one um, is 45%, which is the highest, It should be mentioned that it also includes the ministry, hosting the minister and the office of the deputy minister. And then also it includes the IT services for CETA for the whole department, and also the building lease for the department. The second largest program is negotiations, labour relations and remuneration management. And when we look at the breakdown, I will go into a little bit more detail on that. Next slide, please. The economic classification breakdown, you will see that compensation of employees um, is about 54% of our total budget. Uh, DPSA is is basically um, service driven, and that's why our compensation is so high. Goods and services is 36%, transfers, which the major part of that is uh, the transfer to the CPSI. Um, is 9%, and then a very small portion, capital assets, which is mainly for computer equipment for the department. Next slide, please. Um, If we look at the breakdown of Programme 1, these are the sub-programs. You will see the ministry there, uh, departmental management. Corporate services is the largest of the sub-programs. Included there is our security services our cleaning services, our HR, um, also our IT services which is, is the majority of that cost is related to CETA services provided to the department. Financial management um, includes the audit cost for the department and then um, office accommodation you can see is at $62.9 nine million. That is that is the building lease and also for the municipal accounts for the department. Next program, please. Program two, human resources and development. Um, This is a smaller program. The majority of the money um, that actually stands out here, I think, is the Office of Standards and Compliance, which is slightly higher in the first year. That is due to the development um, of a compliance monitoring system that they are looking into. The others are basically um, just small growth over the NTF. Program three, negotiations. This is our large program. You will also see here that under remuneration, employment conditions and HR systems, uh, which is the highest one there, It includes the personnel expenditure review in the first year. That is why the first year is higher than the other two years. And also a portion of there is our um, SAS licensing that we use to manipulate the information on partial. Also included in um, this program is uh, the Government Employment Housing Scheme at 15.7 million and then 17 million over the MTF. And then you will see the next one, also slightly higher in the first year at 19.8 million. This is funding that was set aside for the development of the job evaluation system that will happen in the current financial year. Next program, please. Can you go to the next slide? Thank you. Okay. This is the e-government services. The majority of the money that is allocated here um, relates to advisory services or professional services for IT advisors. You you have seen that they are developing quite a few policies and and prescripts in in the coming years. If we can then go to our last program, program five, which is government service access, um, this, there is no specific higher and lowers in this program. The majority uh, or the biggest portion of this budget year is the transfer to, transfer to CPSI at $44.5 million.
1: Thank you. That is the story from DPSI. Thank you very much. Thank you. uh, Desiree, for that uh, presentation. Uh, I understand the next uh, uh, presentation will be on CPSI. Tiji?
7: Good afternoon, good evening, uh, Honourable Chairperson, members of the the Select Committee, Honourable Minister and Deputy Minister. Thank you for giving the CPSI an opportunity to present to the Select Committee. Um, I'm starting to share my presentation. Please let me if you can see the presentation.
1: Yes, Ms. Bubei, so Okay, you can see it, you can continue.
7: Thank you, Chair. With your permission, I'll switch off my my camera, if I, I can, but no. I will proceed. OK, no, thank no you. Reason. Thank you so much. Um, Chairperson, I'll try to save you time. I, I think we are pressed for time, but I'll try to uh, highlight uh, the key issues that are in the presentation. Um, just as a matter uh, of background, uh, the CPSI is uh, mandated through the Public Service Act to do its work. The mandate is further expanded in the government notice of uh, number 700 of September 2011. That's our vision and our mission. Uh, we are a very small outfit, a very small national government component with only two programs. That's the first one, administration, with all those sub programs in support of program two, which is our core mandate where we use the program to drive service delivery innovation in the public sector. Uh, we have three programs, as the minister has already alluded to the programs. I will not go into detail with regard to that. 30 posts on the fixed establishment, we currently have only two vacant posts. That puts our vacancy rate at less than 10% um, with uh, you know, just two posts waiting to be filled. They've been advertised and will be filled in the, before the end of the third, uh, Sorry, the first quarter. HR stats, I uh, just want to highlight that people with disabilities, we have just 16% of, of six, sorry, 6% of staff are people with disabilities at CPSI. In terms of our five-year strategic plan, uh, Honourable Chair, we have not made any changes to the strategic plan 2020 to 2025 we have only two outcomes the first outcome which talks to effective corporate governance relates to the work that is done in program one in support of of program two program two outcome is innovative culture and practice in the public sector entrenched this is in support of of what is outlined in the sixth administration agenda also what is in the national development plan it's a cross-cutting function that we provide at, at 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 cpsi Just to show you the full uh, 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 presentation of from the vision to our impact statement outputs um, and activities. But the next couple of slides will then expand a bit on this. We have promised to deliver on these targets over the five year period. As you can see five for program one and and 75 for program two. Ministers already uh, uh, alluded to our fifth clean audit, Honourable Chair. We hope we'll maintain the clean audit uh, track record at CPSI. But just to give you an indication of how far we are since we started in 2020, in this five-year term, uh, we've already enabled 17 innovation in, initiatives uh, in terms of six research projects and development projects that we've undertaken. I just want to highlight the public sector innovation repeat assessment that we've done. Uh, The the next one that I want to highlight is the digital skills development um, and support of youth uh, developers through hackathons. Those are some of the things that we've done uh, uh, over the past two years. 20 knowledge platforms, Minister again has alluded to those. We also have a very robust replication program where we take some of the innovations that we come across and replicate them in other areas. Uh, We've already replicated the e-learning solution in Gauteng. We have replicated in Eastern Cape, in Oartambo District Municipality, which is the DDM pilot site. The team is out currently replicating in Northwest and also in Free State. And Honorable Chair, I want to indicate that one of the issues that were raised uh, in the previous uh, engagement with the Select Committee was about the impact that the CPSI does through its programs. And we decided that instead of working in one or two sites, we need to expand, hence the, the, the expansion to Eastern Cape, Northern, Northwest, and Free State. Um, those are some of the uh, uh, solutions that we've replicated. I w- also want to highlight the Wulaman's uh, low-cost water filtration system that we replicated in Hamasgal. Members will know the challenges that are there in that area, in terms of water, we thought let's just provide an interim measure while the infrastructure is, is, is repaired. And we think this innovation can be used in case that and with the floods. While the infrastructure has been repaired, we need to provide clean water to communities immediately. Um, I will run through this, uh, uh, this uh, slide, but I want to uh, emphasize the second bullet there uh, that talks to the SA. EU dialogue series. I think the DPSA mentioned that they are busy with a digital policy to digitize, you know, public service. And we, we are working with a DPSA and the vert School, Governance, a School of Governance to learn from the Danish. Denmark is at the top of the, EU, of the United Nations e-government survey. So we've already had an engagement with them. The engagements will continue so that we are able to support the DPSA in developing and evidence-based policy with, when it comes to digitization. Um, in terms of development initiatives that we, 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 we work on, we are planning to work on, we are working with the Northern Cape. We started in the previous financial year. It will continue in this financial year to develop an online Tucson Center. Honorable Chair, you'll know that Northern Cape is a very sparse, sparsely populated, province. They only have five Tucson centers. And in terms of service delivery, it becomes a challenge for communities to access you know, a Tucson center. So they came up with an idea of developing a Tucson center, a virtual one. And we are working with them to support them in the development of this uh, a solution. We had a design thinking workshop. In uh, Actually, it's not a workshop. It was a working session uh, now in March to refine the, des- uh, the design of the solution. And we hope that as we move on in the MTF, some of the uh, provinces will then take up this uh, solution that we are working on with Northern Cape. Uh, the EMS uh, patient transport e-hailing solution as well, we're approached by Gauteng Emergency Medical Services to work with them to develop a solution to address you know, uh, challenges around uh, patient uh, transport. We will keep the committee updated on developments about these two uh, new development pro- projects that we are working on. Uh, one of our key uh, programs that we run, uh, Honorable chair, is the engagement with youth developers. We partner with uh, youth organizations like Geek Culture, that w- you find youth, they, they are coders, they come up with solutions for real service delivery challenges. And this, uh, as an example, we hosted what we call PSI Hack 22, which simply means Public Sector Innovation Hackathon 2022. And we presented in this case, we presented the youth with a real challenge from one of our hospitals that was struggling with provision of linen to theatre. Honourable chair members, you'll know that, you know, theatre time is quite precious. You don't want to waste it, book patients and then when you're about to operate, there's no linen. Very critically, it it may look like a, a minor thing in terms of When you look at linen and the theatre but it's quite critical for the hospital to be able to provide clean linen to theatre so that operations are held on time we'll we'll keep you posted in terms of what comes out of that but the youth developed a solution to try and address this kind of a challenge so we work robustly with this uh, organization to do hackathons trying to solicit solutions from from the youth um, the e learning solution, I'm not going to go in depth, but uh, this is just an explanation of what the, the tool does. What I want to just highlight is that through that integrated platform, as the student learner steps into class, the teacher doesn't have to tick that Lydia is in class. As I log in as a, as a learner, the educator can see that I am in class. So it sort of also alleviates uh, administrative burden on the educators while they're supposed to focus. On, on learning and teaching. Um, the next slides just an explanation of those uh, uh, innovations I spoke about. These are the targets that we have uh, in terms of uh, the current 2022-23 uh, annual performance plan. In terms of research and development, we will do four in this financial year. over the MTF as well, we'll do four. Uh, in terms of number of knowledge platforms sustained, we have nine. Um, Per year and we will sustain that over the MTF. similar to the number of innovations replicated we'll do two annually uh, over the MTEF. Uh, I will skip the quarterly targets, go straight to the budget. Uh, Honourable Chair, as I mentioned, that we, we, we changed our budget structure. I just want to highlight on this, track, on the, on this um, uh, slide that the plan in terms of repositioning the CPSI is to give more resources to uh, research and development institutional support and replication and if you look at the allocations between the two programs over the mtf there's a slight decrease in administration and you can see that public sector innovation will start getting a bigger slice of the uh, 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 of the of the budget to try and strengthen program 2 so that we can deliver more Though it's almost a 50-50% uh, split between the two The next slide just shows you where the money is going. If you look at per program, as you can see, executive support gets the lowest. That's where the ED post is. And enabling environment, stakeholder management, institutional support, replication, R&D. Then there's a move towards making sure they get the bulk of of the allocation. Uh, Just allocation in terms of economic classification, uh, similar to DPSA, 54%. On uh, compensation of employees, very intense in terms of our teams having to go out to visit projects and you know mentor and, and support departments and goods and services, about thirty nine percent payment of capital assets around seven percent. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, thank you, Ms. Bogeri, for, for galloping through your presentation. Uh, <laughs> That is highly appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, will, honorable chair. <laughs> we will now move to, to the National School of Government, Prof. Prof., uh, the DG of the school. You're welcome.
8: Uh, thank you, thank
1: you, chair. Apologies, I've got load shedding uh, myself, so my system is giving me problems. Uh, so let me request Chairperson, my colleague, Mr. Dino Pumsami, the chief director, uh, for planning to present. Uh, I also have a bout of, of flu, so I thought it's better that we allow him to present. But I'm here to answer questions later, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Prof. Allow the team then to, to move on as per uh, the delegation.
9: Thank you very much uh, to the Honourable Chairperson and members of the Select Committee. Chair, good evening. My name is Dino Ponsami. Uh, Now that you've seen my face, I'll switch off the video so I can proceed. Um, Thank you, no problem. Good evening uh, to our Honourable Minister and uh, the Public Service Commission, the Commissioners and uh, the Heads of Institution and all of our colleagues who are here with us this evening. Chair, I think our minister has, has laid a very good foundation uh, with regard to the work that the National School of Government uh, is undertaking for the new financial year. Importantly for us, Chair, is that we foreground the work of the National School of Government on priority one, and I think the minister has spoken quite explicitly about this. It is about building a capable, ethical, developmental state and what is important for us, Cha, is that when we look at the different formations of the state, we do believe that as the National School of Government, there is a critical role for us to play with regard to the kind of education, training and development interventions. And for us, the suite of our programs that we offer do fall within these uh, different formations. The mandate of the National School of Government, Chairperson, is uh, derived from Section 4 of the Public Service Act, uh, and uh, most recently strengthened by the PAMA, the Public Administration Management Act. For that purpose, Chair, we've articulated the mandate of the school as follows. It is about providing education and training to our public servants or learners. Uh, It is about supporting institutional development, our public sector institutions. Importantly, and a very critical strategic thrust for the National School of Government over this five-year period is about fostering collaboration and partnerships. We are currently busy, Chairperson, with our own qualification, and this is a a space that we will be occupying in the near future as we look at uh, the school offering qualifications to public servants. Our mandate, uh, as ministers also alluded to, is not just restricted to public servants, but also elected public representatives. And we're now widening our depth uh, uh, and reach across to reach the three spheres of government, the legislative sector, as well as organs of state. There is a program that uh, we we do have an offer chair, which is called New Kerala, and that is part of our mandate. Um, you know, does empower us to conduct uh, training or examinations or tests as part of pre as as a prerequisite for appointment to the public service. Chair, we have also developed our service delivery model, uh, which is aligned to the five year strategy and and is also aligned to the um, the structure of our organisation. Um, uh, you know, in this regard, what is important for us, Chair, is as we've articulated the value proposition of the school, we place uh, centrally the learner or the public servant, the state as, as the employer and the role that the state has to play, as well as the citizen, most critically the citizen. We've then articulated the value chain of how we deliver our services But importantly, Chair, for us, as we move forward as the National School of Government, these are the critical value-adding functions we believe are important for us uh, moving into the future. For that purpose, Chair, we've highlighted some of these areas that we are are giving very dedicated attention to, which is around digital transformation, uh, the partnership and collaboration which I've spoken about, the brand positioning and management of the National School of Government, Total quality management, uh, making sure that the school abides to quality management standards in the the form of its products, services, systems, uh, business processes, right across the organization, we want to build a total quality management system. And of course, change management is an important area for us as, as we transform as the National School of Government. Chair, our five-year strategy has been uh, uh, developed in 2020. Our vision is to build an ethical and capable public sector in service of the people. And and for us, we we we've made sure that it is also aligned uh, to priority one of the of the administration. We aim to achieve this, Chairperson, through empowering public servants to be responsive to citizen needs and government priorities through our uh, training interventions. Our 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 training and development interventions. Our five uh, strategic outcomes that we seek to achieve, Chairperson, uh, they are important for us. We are currently in the third year of implementing this strategy, and uh, this is the APP that we are tabling. We do believe that with regard to these outcomes, we are on track over the next three years uh, for us to be able to achieve these outcomes. Chair, we thought it's important as the National School of Government we had undertaken our strategic planning uh, workshop and we've looked at our strategy. Uh, as the school, we believe that the strategy we have put in place uh, doesn't require us to, to undertake any significant review. We've, you know, We've looked at areas that we could enhance but we do believe up until 2025, this is a strategy that we are still comfortable to, uh, you know, towards implementation. We thought importantly here, Chase, is that we should reflect on the first two years of the, of the strategy implementation, which gives us a sense, uh, you know, of whether we are on the right track with the implementation of our strategy. And these are some of the, uh, uh, you know, the achievements over the two years that we have had, Chairperson. Importantly, I think for us is that, Post the the national lockdown and and the start of the COVID pandemic is a significant change that the National School of Government has had to make towards, uh, you know, a shift towards the digital and online learning. And we've seen quite significant numbers in our e-learning enrollments over, over the past two years. In the last year, as we've closed up uh, at the end of March, Chairperson, in excess of 80,000 enrollments on our e learning platform. So I think this is an important space for us, but it's also a good trajectory to show us the the direction for for the National School of Government. Of course, there there are certain practicalities that we've discussed with the Minister with regard to issues around data connectivity amongst many public servants. And these are issues that we will have to be engaging on within the broader. Uh, you know, the uh, state and, and, and within other state entities. Uh, there are some key programs that we also keep track of, Chairperson, uh, our flagship programs. And, and you will note, we speak about the new KELA program, which is the pre-entry into the Senior Management Service. We reflect on the numbers. They are going quite well. And um, what is important here is that no no individual who uh, has completed or who has not completed uh, the nuclear program can proceed for appointment in 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 the senior management service. Uh, we've 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 also been tracking our 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 course on ethics, and and you'll see the numbers uh, there. Chairperson, in in the first year of implementing the strategy, during the national lockdown, we've had ninety eight percent achievement from enrollment to completion, and in the last financial year, enrollments in excess of uh, forty thousand. Chair, we thought importantly also, as we come to the Select Committee, we should just provide a broad reflection of how the training is uh, is taken up at the different spheres of government. Um, so, so there is a lot of work for us uh, to do as the National School of Government within our brand strategy. We see at the local government level, a lot of work for us uh, in as far as expanding the work at, at the local sphere of government. The private here, does reflect uh, the NUKEALA program, which allows for any citizen to be able to undertake a NUKEALA program. The provincial government is at 23.5% of the total numbers. And of course, here, chair, there may be various reasons around this, noting as well that, uh, you know, that within five provinces, there are provincial training academies. And there are many other role plays uh, within the ecosystem of public sector education and training but uh, the biggest focus for us has been at national government level and you'll see that's at about 74 percent of our training so so this is an important area for us chair because as we look at our own planning for the next uh, fi- or for the current financial year and the future financial years it does give us an indication of where to start placing more emphasis on We've given uh, a quick breakdown, Chairperson, per province on the trainings, how they have been taken up. And again, here, Chair, this is an important area for us in our own business development and planning to understand where to focus our attentions as we move forward. We've provided a a synopsis of the breakdown uh, by gender and and you'll see at uh, 61% in as far as uh, female trained against the 38% uh, at, uh, at male. I think importantly as well for us, we thought it's uh, it's critical to bring to the select committee the issue of the evaluation of our training programs. Um, this the, the the national school of government is always um, uh, you know is always asked about this on the impact its training has. Uh, For that purpose, Chair, we thought it's important to share with the committee that the school does monitor all of its training programs and we do an evaluation on a predetermined number of programs that allows us to look at continued improvement on the quality of our programs and the effect that this is having at the level of uh, departments. Uh, And we do this, Chair, we use a range of uh, uh, different interventions as well as the evaluation methodologies guided by frameworks such as those from the DPME as well as our own policy framework. The evaluations uh, for us is important, Chair, because it, it allows us to, to, to be able to test whether the training programs offered by the NSG are, are in alignment to the needs of public service, whether there are any changes in behaviors of individuals because of the training, as well as subsequent changes. Now, importantly here, Chair, we've done uh, uh, quite a few of these evaluations since 2013. So about 28 evaluations have been conducted by our our unit. Uh, The findings generally reveal behavioral changes in individuals, uh, especially where there, there, there are incidences where the correct target of participants was sent to a training intervention and the work environment of these participants is conducive for the implementation of newly acquired knowledge and skills. Of course, here, Chairperson, there's a lot of work to do uh, as the National School of Government, working with other entities and other, uh, you know, government departments towards making sure that the workplace culture and the environment supports, uh, uh, you know, the the new skills and knowledge. We also found, uh, Chair, during our application of learning studies that uh, where there have been negative audit out uh, you know, audit opinions were made against a particular department. Those deficiencies got addressed once the officials, uh, you know, responsible for those functional areas, attend training. So, so this is already we can see it is having an impact on the on the audit outcomes of departments. And I think this is an important area for us when we, you know, when we do move forward. Chair, for the new financial year, twenty two twenty three, uh, the National School of Government has got two programs. Uh, uh, so program one administration, we have uh, set out our targets. Importantly for us, Chair, as I've indicated, the total quality management is a key strategic thrust for us going forward. And we would want to then finalize a total quality management framework and plan for the NSG in this financial year. We are, we are also, as part of our restructuring that is, uh, you know, that we have just concluded, we're now in line with our operations management plan, looking at how we map the different business processes and look at the gaps uh, uh, and areas that we need to strengthen within the NSG. As part of our digital transformation, we will be implementing business solutions that will enable our NSG operations, but also as the school looking at how we implement our brand and marketing strategy supported by communications interventions to promote the NSG offerings. The second program chairperson is what we traditionally refer to as the trade account. And this is the, the program where the National School of Government is required to generate its own revenue uh, to sustain itself. The, the key indicator for us in this program chair is to monitor the revenue to be generated. Our target for this year is at 101.3 million to generate in revenue and other uh, you know funding sources. And our target is to train uh, 40,460 learners on both compulsory and demanded programs. We're also going to be doing a a program uh, chair for senior managers on how to deal with all forms of discrimination. And our plan this year is to train uh, 50% of senior managers in in, uh, the public service. We have plans to also develop and quality assure eight programs or courses in uh, in this financial year. And as we've made the shift here towards the open distance e-learning, we use the same opportunity to be able to um, to convert these uh, courses and programs into the open distance e-learning as well. Our business development interventions are important for us. Uh, They allow us to be able to look at the uptake of our programs. And for that purpose, we've set a target of 75 percent of business interventions that translate directly into the ETD interventions, partnerships are key for us here at Cheperson, both domestically as well as internationally. And we will look at how these partnerships—at uh, least twenty percent of those that we are signing—that can get converted into direct ETD interventions for our public servants. There's some fascinating work that we're doing in the area of partnerships, Cheperson, and we'll reflect on that as well as as we move forward. Uh, these are some of the other. Target areas for us, Chair, importantly, I've spoken about the postgraduate qualification, and we will be looking at accrediting this in in the financial year. As part of the the professionalization framework that the Minister has spoken about, the National School of Government will also look at professionalizing two functional areas, working with professional bodies. And on the impact evaluation studies, as I've indicated, we we do have identified programs. And over the the strategic period, we will be then monitoring these progress reports, looking at the evaluation uh, studies. Now, how do we do all of this, uh, uh, chairperson and members of the committee? The school has adopted a a hybrid delivery modality. And and these are some of the examples that, that we reflect on. So the virtual will continue. We have been able to adapt quite quite significantly over the last two years in making sure that we are able to roll out our our training and development interventions using the virtual platforms. We will continue with face-to-face training and we are seeing now that, uh, that, that public servants, public representatives are getting back to the classroom. And that's a positive sign for us as the National School of Government. But we're also focusing a lot, chair, uh, on the synchronous and asynchronous learning, meaning that we 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 then offer as the e-learning uh, uh, type learning, which is study at your own time, at your own pace, and then you've got the the live online uh, virtual classes that we offer. An important area for us uh, here, Chairperson, is that the school is also moving into the simulated learning environment. And at the bottom corner, you will see uh, uh, the example of using a a flight school um, and and the analogy of returning to the simulator, which allows accounting officers in particular to to be able to plan their performance of of their departments or of their entities as you know, in the same way that a pilot would be preparing a flight plan. Uh, Chair, there's some other areas of work very interesting that we do have on the horizon. It may not be in this financial year, but we are planning to use uh, technologies such as augmented reality that would enable learners to, to, to fully experience a virtual learning type of an experience. Now, some of the programs that we will be rolling out uh, and we continue chair, this is not new for us. We have been rolling them out and we will continue in the financial year. The ethics in the public service, which is a compulsory course for public servants. We we, we do believe that the course on, on know and live our constitution is very important for every public servant to be able to, uh, to do this course, to enroll for it. It does promote awareness of of the provisions that relate to the rights of citizens as well as our obligations as public servants. On the transformation and inclusion, we we will be focusing on the uh, program championing anti-discrimination in the public sector, as well as leading change by championing gender equality in the public sector. On, on programs such as Effective Leadership, we will continue with uh, the ATELA program, which is an executive program targeting accounting officers in the public sector, as well as the Economic Governance School, uh, you know, which has uh, been done quite successfully, and we do that in partnership uh, with the WITS uh, School of Governance on the induction and onboarding uh, chairperson these have been fairly new new programs that we have introduced but we have seen significant uptake uh, most recently in these programs the first being the induction program for boards of uh, public entities and we have seen quite a significant uh, uh, you know uptake and interest in this program the second one is around ethical leadership and executive oversight program as well uh, which we will continue in our rollout. Some of the other programs will include on procurement and and on public finance, so the contracts management, supply chain management, and importantly here, Chair, uh, as we've introduced in our current strategic uh, um, uh, you know period, the thought leadership and the masterclass series. This this is going to continue for us, and it will grow uh, you know quite a lot over over the next few years. We bring in. Uh, you know, uh, different expertise, both from within the country as well as outside to deal with very topical issues. And uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen significant successes with the Masterclass series, and this will continue for us uh, in the near future. Chair, on the partnerships, uh, just a synopsis of the partners that we have, uh, most recently having entered into a partnership with the uh, the Brazilian uh, School of Government, um, and, and we will be uh, very soon launching that partnership. Uh, we've also entered into a partnership with the World Economic Forum, and through the, this forum, uh, working through the NSG, we're then able to allow public servants to gain access to a knowledge portal that will allow all of us to be able to, to use this data, this information and knowledge to make better policy-informed uh, decision and planning. Um, and there are some other partnerships, uh, you know, which are important for us. Chair, we continue to manage them. Uh, uh, you know, Thunderbird uh, School of Global Manage, the Ricean University, on the African continent. Chair, we do have, um, uh, you know, already entered into bilateral arrangements uh, with uh, uh, with Ghana. We've got with Namibia, Lesotho. There's Rwanda. There's Kenya. We've been having interesting engagements uh, here at Cheperson as well. We have met with the with the High Commissioner of Zimbabwe a few weeks back, and there's a lot of interest for us to work um, with our counterparts in Zimbabwe. Now, some of the other uh, private partners uh, and and the direct funding that we work with these are some examples of of uh, the, you know these partnerships. The the program that we have had with the European Union uh, on public sector capacity building. Uh, you know, it's been a five-year program, and that comes to an end now in June. And we've we've gained, uh, you know, quite significantly from this partnership in helping us uh, to to better support the public sector with regard to capacity building. Chair, we've also entered into into MOUs uh, with the ten of the universities uh, here in South Africa. This is an important area for us here, chair, because it helps us to build depth and expand. The reach, uh, you know, through these universities, and, and 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 the good thing about that is where the school of government may may not have the resources or the programs to offer to public servants, we are able to tap into these universities to be able to you know to you know to provide these so programs that are not traditionally on our on our you know course offerings like cyber security and digital transformation, we're then able to tap into these uh, universities. Chair, we've also established the NSG uh, senior fellows, um, and this helps us to leverage of their expertise. We've been making use of uh, the fellows through our thought leadership uh, masterclass series, and and we will continue to do so, not just in the use of the senior fellows, but in expanding uh, the program over, over the years. With regard to our budget chairperson, as I've indicated, there's just program one and program two. The the budget for for this financial year um, on the vote, which is on program one, is at uh, 228 million. Of that amount, Chair, there's a transfer to the trade account, which is at 115 million. So the administration program gets 112 million. We provide the breakdown with regard to compensation of employees as well as uh, the goods and services. Now on the trade side, uh, Chairperson, with the transfer that uh, is from the vote, we are also required to generate revenue, which is at $101.3 million over the financial year. That would bring total expenses uh, for the year at $220 million. That includes the compensation of employees for those who are employed within Program 2. On, on, on the human resource side, Chair, we thought it's important to reflect uh, and just confirm that the National School of Government has been undergoing its own restructuring uh, since the adoption of its uh, five year strategy we've now come to the uh, uh, you know to the conclusion of this process we've now placed all of the employees into positions within the reconfigured structure and we're now signing off on that process this has resulted chair uh, in vacancies we had at some point put a halt on the filling of our vacancies to allow more opportunities for our employees to choose uh, where they would want to be placed that has now resulted in a vacancy rate at about 10.9 percent but we are now in the process of filling in particular starting with senior management positions which are now being filled or be in the process of being advertised and we will move from there our demographic profile chair we provide a synopsis i think importantly for us on the employment equity side Uh, we do have a fair representation females at 58.8 percent and female sms at 51.2 there is some work that we have to do in particular with regard to the youth employment Uh, we currently at 19.1 and uh, for persons with a disability at 2.4 percent the employment equity plan uh, of the nsg it has been approved it is being implemented and this detailed work that we are doing to support employment equity, diversity, and transformation within the NSG. Chair, in conclusion, we thought it's important as ministers also reflected on the framework. The school has been instrumental in working uh, with our sister institutions, the DPSA, the CPSI, the Public Service Commission, in finalising uh, the framework. We now we have, we have undertaken significant amounts of work through public consultations and the peer review of the framework, we, we are now concluding on that, uh, taking final recommendations to cabinet for the adoption of the final uh, framework. And that will come as ministers also indicated with very clear implementation uh, proposals. We are going to strengthen uh, as the National School of Government, our collaboration with the relevant institutions such as higher education institutions and professional bodies, looking at how we can offer series of targeted programs be it part and full qualifications and other learning experiences. The partnership strategy we will continue to emphasize uh, both at international and domestic levels and we will be engaging at both public and private partnership level. Uh, Importantly for us, Chairperson, one of the highlights that we are looking forward to in this financial year is the launch of our executive education programs. We are busy with some of the programs and we'll be adding more to the suite. We do believe that this is going to be Um, You know, really positioning us as the National School of Government, not just here within the country, but even at a global level, with the kind of offerings that, 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 you know, that we will be making available. And finally, Chair, as we look at our own, uh, you know, organizational effectiveness, there's many areas that we want to improve including seamless functioning of our delivery mechanisms, how we deliver our training, implementing the quality management, but ultimately for us is about improving the learner interface and the experience. And that will come through a lot of interventions, such as those that we have identified in the digital uh, transformation framework for the NSG. Chairperson and members of the committee, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity. Thank, Thank
1: you. Uh, Mr. Punsami, uh, for taking us through the presentation uh, from the National School of Government. Uh, we will now move to the Public Service Commission. I understand we have uh, the acting chairperson, Professor Fikeni. There is also Dr. Poshoff. Commissioner based in Free State, uh, and also Commissioner Baia uh, based in Northern Cape. Uh, you are welcome, commissioners. Over to you, uh, Professor Pigedi, the
5: Well, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson of the Select Committee. I will just make short remarks recognizing, of course, the honorable members of the Select Committee, Minister of GPSA and uh, the various uh, institutions uh, which have presented before us. Um, I would like to start... Prefacing our remarks by saying the PSC is the creature of Chapter 12, I mean, Chapter 10 of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And as such, that particular mandate from Chapter 10 is very specific in us promoting the constitutional values uh, in the public service, but also ensuring the effectiveness and efficiency of the public uh, service. And it goes on to the monitoring. So we do that work across all departments. I do think that uh, it might just be prudent to say if we are to make real promises of our constitutional democracy and also issues raised in chapter 13 of the NDP, as well as the current emphasis on the government priority of uh, having a developmental ethical capable state. It might as well help us to reflect on the recent disasters such as COVID-19, the riots, the floods, the state capture, and some failures in the municipalities to say what has it exposed in the work that we're doing? And what are the gaps that we ought to be looking at? And more importantly, it raises another question. If you listen very carefully to uh, DPSA presenting the National School of Government and uh, the Public Sector Innovation, uh, you know, uh, CPSI. <clears throat> or even GPME, for that matter, CSIR, how are we coordinating our efforts for greater impact, respecting the complementary roles, but without competing, complementing each other? That becomes very key, perhaps a conversation that in future we should begin to have each time we come to present because at times, those receiving might begin to say, but I think I've had that one in the first or second or third institution. And in our APP as we are going to present, we have among the programs that we will be reflecting on identified those public service departments which may have greater impact on impeding or enabling the performance of the public sector. For example, during this period of lockdowns and restrictions due to COVID-19, the issue of ICT infrastructure and support across public sector has become the biggest risk that we've identified hands who are going to be monitoring the effectiveness and the work of this, uh, you know, uh, the CETA responsible for the ICT and who have corresponded with them as well as with the department, the mother department. The other one is the one of the public works department in as far as it provides accommodation right across Issues of compliance, issues of health compliance, even in the buildings that are occupied, have become a big issue. And these were taken because it's coming from different departments, different DGs, who are raising this issue. And lastly, as I give over to the DG to present our programs, more recently we are receiving calls from people on the ground, whether local government or departments in KZN, who are saying, we are beginning to suffer monitoring fatigue, where documents are asked by the same government, different departments, seven times, at times we even have to stop doing the work critical to the floods and the recovery. How do we coordinate our activities? PSC is raising that issue, even with the institutions of forums supporting democracy, because we belong to that forum as well, of Chapter 9 institutions, even though we're Chapter 10. To say how do we complement instead of compete, and how do we make sure that in that complementary space, the mandates are clearly delineated? And we also want to thank GPSA for the work they are doing to speed up also the passing of the PSC amendment bill as they have been asked to make an input into that particular work so that we can unleash the potential of the PSC. So I'll ask the DG to make a presentation on our strategic plan and annual performance plan for 2022-2023. Thank you, Chair.
1: Thank you, uh, Prof. Somadolta Uh the DG is welcome uh, to take the podium now. DG?
10: Oh, apologies, apologies, Chair. I didn't realize that my mic uh, was muted. Thank you very much, Chairperson, for the opportunity to give this presentation on the five-year stretch plan of the PSC, as well as uh, the annual annual performance plan of the current financial year. In terms of the outline of the presentation, these are the topics that will be covered in, in the presentation. But in the interest of time, Chair, I'm going to skip the introduction as well as the environmental scan because the Chairperson has already covered it. Our Acting Chairperson has covered it in his opening remarks. What is important about this slide is um, that the PSC as a constitutional body that uh, is established in terms of um, uh, Section 195 of the Constitution to provide oversight over the public service we contribute to priority number one of the MTSF, that is building a capable and ethical developmental state. You will note as I take you through the presentation that PSC has had to revise its stretch plan to ensure that it is proper alignment between our stretch plan as well as our annual performance plan in order to ensure that the repositioning of the PSC is executed as per the Stretch plan. I'm skipping the situational analysis chair as I said because the acting chairperson has covered it. Now coming on to the strat plan, the areas of review are first and foremost our vision, uh, mission and values um, of the PSC. We've revised it and reviewed um, these uh, three areas and this is our new vision as a PSC and the mission as well as the the values um, chair. I want to spend time on the APP itself. With regards to the strategic focus of the PSC, what is important about uh, what we are reflecting here is uh, firstly, the ultimate outcome of what we envisage after the five years uh, uh, of implementing the strategic plan is that there should be an improved service delivery culture in the public service. And of course the ultimate impact is to ensure that there is a responsive, ethical, and a values-driven public service that responds timelessly, efficiently, and effectively to the needs of the citizens. The strategic plan outputs, we've got two outcome, three outcome indicators that are reflected here, Chair. Uh, two of them are externally focused and the one is internally focused. The first one on uh, the improved service delivery culture in the public service. As a PSC, we want to see that by um, end of year five, that uh, there are a change in the processes within at least six departments and that there is 100 percent improvement in the actual and potential um, conflict of interest within the senior management services in the public service, that the management thereof is improved 100%. With regards to the second outcome, that is on sound leadership practices in the public service, the PSC has planned to have 30 strategic engagements, particularly on the findings and recommendations from the PSC research reports, our investigations, as well as general observations that we have done. Members will note that uh, the PSC only makes recommendations which um, are not legally binding, as uh, one would have it uh, uh, um, with the public protector. And so, through the strategic engagements, the PSC plans to ensure that uh, the findings and the recommendations are implemented. Focusing on the ethics management framework, we want to ensure that this then becomes institutionalized within the public service. And so the plan is for year one and year two, the PSC will conduct surveys on around ethics, particularly focusing on the cluster, the social, economic and governance clusters. And then between year three to five, we will then have feedback engagements to determine to what extent has that ethics management framework institutionalized and the last outcome indicator is per our five-year strategic plan is really internally focused on improving our efficiencies as an organization in the area of monitor- monitoring and evaluation we're going to be looking at our systems of collecting data which data is important to inform some of the systemic deficiencies within the department and get uh, reported under our monitoring and evaluation program. So um, we're going to initiate that for this financial year, but by the end of uh, year five, we want to ensure that our IT systems are fully integrated with our data warehouse so that then we are able to produce quality data that can be of use by the departments where we are pointing out areas of development. At PSC, we also want to ensure that at least 60% of the recommendations that are produced by the PSC are implemented. That is what is planned for, for um, the next five years. Now, coming to the current APP, we have a total of 25 performance indicators that we have planned for this financial year. It is divided into the four different programs as uh, members can see. Under program one, we've got uh, seven indicators, six under program two, seven on monitoring and evaluation, which is program three, and the last is on a, um, a program four. Program one, it is quite self-explanatory, is the one that provides overall support to the PSC. As members they, um, know that the OPSC, which is the Office of Public Service Commission, is uh, the one uh, national department that um, provides secretarial and support services to the Public Service Commission. And these are the uh, targets and indicators for the current uh, financial year under Program One. It is maybe important for uh, one to highlight the first one being a maintaining an unqualified audit outcome opinion in the p- In the past two years, the PSC has received a clean audit and would like to continue with that trend. What is also important about program one is that we plan to implement the productivity framework within the PSC so that then we determine to what extent we as an organization productive and effective in delivering and and providing the support to the the Public Service Commission. If I then move on to program two, which is really the core business of the organization, its main purpose is to provide and uh, promote a sound public service leadership, as well as human resource management, labor relations and labor practices within the public service. And these are the um, targets and indicators for program two. The first target uh, that one wants to highlight is you would note that we are planning to resolve 85% of the grievances that are lodged by public servants in levels uh, two to levels 12, within 30 days of receipt of relevant information. We are through the review of our stretch plan and APP We have revised the target and adjusted it upward from 65 to 85 percent and as well as the one for sms grievances we plan to resolve 85 percent of those within 45 days in in insofar as the production of research reports within leadership human resource management practices in the public sector we've identified uh, three areas uh, that the psc will be uh, researching as well as uh, 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 providing reports by the end of the financial year. And those are, are reflected there. The uh, most important one, Chair, is really we want to assess what has been the impact of remote and the uh, hybrid working arrangements on employee productivity within the service delivery, as well as um, uh, uh, um, uh, in the public service, in order to ensure that whatever um, human resource uh, practices, systems, and policies that uh, are being put in place, that they take into account the impact of remote and hybrid uh, hybrid working arrangements. And we also want to uh, produce a report study on the general management of discipline in the public service. Of course, the PSC will continue to contribute towards the professionalization framework, as uh, colleagues um, have indicated earlier. Ultimately, we want to begin to see a reduction in the intake of grievances that are lodged within the PSC, because uh, that then suggests that it is uh, the systems within the departments themselves of managing and resolving grievances work. And so we'd like to see a four percent reduction in the number of grievances that ultimately reach the psc insofar as the strategic engagements uh, on the psc's recommendations the target for this financial year is 10 as we indicated earlier that in the uh, five-year period psc plans uh, plans to have 30 engagements but uh, for um, this current financial year we've identified the 10 strategic engagements We'll of course also be reporting on um, uh, grievances management and efficiencies, as well as uh, the procedures and processes of uh, dealing with grievances in the public service. And we intend to produce three reports in that regard. Moving on to program three, which is monitoring and evaluation. And that is a program that really uh, focuses on the monitoring and evaluating uh, the effectiveness of uh, service delivery through what we call service delivery interventions, which um, I will indicate um, uh, uh, now. So the first one is that PSC in the work that we do, ultimately we would like to see a change in the practices of public administration, especially if there's an indicator of a deficiency in the delivery of services. And so we're going to embark on a research study and produce two reports on the public administration practices where we have seen a change and an improvement. We will also continue to conduct service delivery inspections in the nine provincial offices. As members would know, the PSC has a national footprint We've got a presence in all nine provinces and each provincial office conducts service delivery inspections in the departments that have identified. So this financial financial year, we'll be introducing 10 reports, which will constitute of nine in the the provinces, as well as one, national one, focusing on the forensic science laboratories. There's been a number of reported cases of backlog in the system, And the PSC will then be conducting an inspection to see to what extent the um, systems within the forensic science laboratories can be improved. What is also a key and critical project for the PSC this year is uh, focusing on engagement with the citizens and ordinary members of the public. And we are going to do that through what we call a citizens forum. It will be conducted in all the nine provinces. We've already seen one that we've successfully concluded in the previous financial year in the Eastern Cape where we identified one of the, uh, uh, the rural areas in, in Umtata, And we had a number of service delivery departments present. For example, your Department of Home Affairs, Labor, uh, and... Uh, and so on, uh, interacting with uh, members of the public and uh, ensuring that uh, those required services are delivered uh, on the day. And so we will roll it out to all the nine uh, provincial offices. Of course, annually the PSC is required to produce what we call the section 196 subsection four E report in terms of the constitution. It is a a constitutional imperative and we will Um, be producing that report as we do um, annually. On the engagement on CVPs, which is the constitutional values and principles, members would know that uh, under section 195, the uh, constitutional values and and principles are reflected there. And a colleague in the DPSA has already touched on on it uh, in his presentation earlier. The PSC is mandated to promote the CVPs within public administration. And so we have planned to engage with at least 10 departments in um, a, a, promotion, a promotion of the CVPs. We'll also be producing four reports, which really will be assessing general the performance of a department. We've identified one department, in fact, they've um, approached the, the PSC themselves, and uh, the, the team will really be starting to work with that department. In this case, it's the Department of Justice, but by the end of the financial year, we would have um, produced four reports of um, departments that will have identified. The acting chair has already covered on the area, on um, the, 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 the project of assessing the effectiveness of government support systems in the area of information and communication technology services. We also want to do the same. In the accommodation and property management uh, looking at uh, the services that is provided by the department of um, public works uh, the support service around the office accommodation we've received a, a number of complaints uh, from various departments and the um, opsc itself as a department is being impacted on and so by the end of the financial year we would have produced two reports that will indicate uh, where the systemic deficiencies are with recommendations of areas of improvement. Coming to the last program on integrity and anti-corruption, the name is quite self-explanatory. This is the program where not only do we house the national anti-corruption hotline, but a number of public administration investigations are done. We also promote the uh, professional ethics through the work that we do under this program and so what is a planned is that by the end of the financial year we want to have resolved 75 percent of all investigations that we would have received this uh, too, chair is an indicator that we have revised out uh, upward from 65 to 75 percent the constitution also allows the PSC to conduct its own uh, proactive investigation. And so in this financial year, we have planned to conduct two owner court investigation in terms of section one and subsection four of the constitution. Of course, with regards to the implementation of the ethics framework, we'll continue to produce the three reports that we do um, every year on the financial disclosure framework, as well as the management of cases that are lodged with our national anti-corruption hotline and the report on financial misconduct. In the promotion of professional ethics within the public service we've uh, targeted to produce uh, at least four articles uh, through uh, this financial year and as well as have three engagements we've had one successful uh, seminar in on the 26th of april which was focusing on improving governance systems and processes in the public sector and as a result of uh, we've seen the um, state capture commission uh, report We are planning to have another engagement in the middle of um, the uh, second uh, quarter, as as well as the annual um, anti-corruption conference that we have um, in December. If I may then move on to focus on the province specific projects. in the Gauteng province, the, um, the province provincial offices identified the need for an intervention at in the Department of Sports, Arts, and Culture and Recreation, as well as the Department of Health. Already a strategic support task team has been uh, established and is working with the provincial offices just to look at uh, um, uh, some of the reported problems with the effective functionings of, of these two departments. In the lipopo provinces, they have identified the need to look at the working conditions of social workers as well as the the, um, implementation and the running of um, the special economic development zones. And this is what the Western Cape uh, province has uh, planned to uh, do an assessment of the work of the foster care um, placements via the Department of Social Development. And these are some of the projects that are identified in the Northern Cape province. Uh, as well as um, in the Free State in the Eastern Cape, the minister in his opening remarks has also reflected upon some of um, the inspections that are planned in the the provincial office, particularly around the the, the bridge and the road infrastructure, um, which then prevents the learners to be able to access schools. In the KZN, over and above, conducting on-site inspections as a result of the recent flooding. The uh, province is planning to engage with the Department of Social Development through conducting on-site inspections on the various centers within the province as well as in the licensing and testing centers in the the KZN. The Provincial um, Office of Northwest will be focusing on the management of, of state fleet in the northwest uh, province and will be able to produce a report by the end of the financial year. And uh, we are seeing the the reports that are planned in in the Mpumalanga province to focus on the health facilities research report into the provincial treasury systems that are being utilized to track the payment of invoices So, to ensure that they are paid within the 30 day prescribed uh, period. And these are the the examples of what our provincial offices um, are planned uh, to do in the current financial year, Um, Chairperson. With your permission, can I allow my colleague, Mr. Zwedimo our CFO, to to take us through the budget uh, and expenditure estimates? Uh, Thank you, Chairperson.
0: we can continue. CFO?
10: Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, sure if the CFO is able to take us through, but um, let me maybe just uh, conclude the presentation, Chair, because it's only three slides. So what we have here is really just a summary Of the budget allocation for the PSC. We have a total budget for the current financial year of uh, 288 million, of which 75 percent is allocated for the compensation of employees. And uh, members should note that uh, the compensation of employees includes the compensation of commissioners. We have a total of 14 commissioners in the establishment, although there is there are some vacancies which uh, I know the uh, provincial um, legislatures as well as uh, the uh, presidents are working on filling those vacancies. And then 24% of the budget really goes to goods and services, of which uh, a majority of it is uh, meant to pay for our operations in, in the provinces. And what we see reflected on the slide is uh, how the budget, uh, goods and services budget, is distributed across. The four um, the four programs chairperson uh, uh, I believe that then brings us to the end of the presentation. Thank you very much for the opportunity to give this presentation
1: Thank you thank you DG, uh, for for taking us through the the presentation. Uh, from the Public Service Commission, both on its programs and also the the expenditure, budget. Uh, We will uh, now uh, invite uh, the uh, members uh, of the Senate Committee to engage with the presentation. Uh, I noticed that uh, some of them had problems with the load shedding and got disconnected. But I've uh, uh, noted Honorable Tim. I've noted Honorable Dango. I've noted Honorable Hai. Uh, in that sequence, can we we hit the ground running? Over to you, Honorable Tim, Professor.
11: Thank you, Chair. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, <clears throat> Chair, if I can just also apologise for Honourable Bossoff. She told me that due to load shedding, her, all her batteries had failed and uh, <laughs> she was down. And uh, Chair, I'm, I'm coming from Acacia, so you know what the signal is like. Yeah? So uh, I think I'll leave my camera off. because It's probably just going to make it worse. Um, Chair... But I'd like to thank um, everybody who's presented tonight. Very detailed um, and lots of aspiration and hope and, you know, good, goodwill in terms of what the public service is trying to achieve. But, gee, you know, um, we all know that that's all well and good until the rubber hits the road. And so the kind of questions I would like to just ask, and the Honourable Minister has an engagement with me in the past in Scopa, he knows that I'm a, a straight shooter. Um, a question around the, the, and I'm not gonna give it its full name, because I think even the minister will agree that the full name of this unit is, is, is something else, but let's call it the Dis- Disciplinary Technical Assistance Unit. I know there's ethics and regulations <laughs> also in their title. That unit was, was promulgated in 2014 was only enacted in 2019, and I I believe that the unit has has had very little success in prosecutions. Um, the, the unit itself has powers and has to refer everything to the SIU and to the Hawks and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, can can anybody please just come and give us a an idea of the success of the unit now that I believe it is up and running? And, you know, how, how many matters is it dealing with? Um, how many prosecutions have we had as a result of the work of the technical assistance unit and how, how much money have we recovered? So that was just the first issue, Chair. Then the issue of lifestyle audits. We've been speaking about lifestyle audits since the previous minister, Minister Nguyen, um, and I really would like a – update on lifestyle audits, where we are with lifestyle audits. How many, how many lifestyle audits have been conducted? How many are going to be conducted? I see there was a target for lifestyle audits. Um, it did not seem to be very clear as to how many are going to be. And then how many situations have we had where a lifestyle audit hasn't tied up with the person's salary? In other words, the actual purpose of a lifestyle audit, um, where you see something's not making sense. If we can just get some comment on that, that would be very helpful. Um, sorry, my next question is about um, doing business with the state. I believe that this has been on the decline and we're grateful for that. But if we could just get an update on where we are in terms of um, colleagues doing business with the state and and how many prosecutions we've had, let's say, in the last year, how, many, how much money recovered. And then... Um, The thing that concerned me, and I was just picked it up during the presentation, was the PEC said that 65% of recommendations, the target is is that the PEC will make recommendations and they are hopeful that 65% of them will be adopted. So my immediate question is, why not more? Um, Is the PEC saying that effectively the Public Service Commission will make recommendations and they really hope the department will pick up on 65% of them? In other words, they're not really respected. And to illustrate that, I would really like the PEC to tell us here tonight, over the past three years, what percentage of their recommendations have actually been accepted? What percentage? Because that will show whether or not the department's even listening to PEC, even taking them seriously. Because I know there was that whole argument about the independence of PEC because it's funded through the department's budget. So I really would like comment from the PEC as to why so low is 65% and secondly, how many of the recommendations percentage-wise have been accepted in the last three years. And then finally, Chair, I do want to draw from the Zondo report um, and the Zondo report, um, well, now Chief Justice Zondo, spoke very strongly in terms of favouring a professional degree service for, for working in the public service and also a peer review system where public servants can be reviewed by their peers similar to the legal profession or the accounting profession and if they if complaints are received and they're guilty and they can actually be struck off the role as it were and may never work in the public service again can can the public service commission or all the department just tell us have they taken note of the Zondo Commission recommendations in that regard? And what are they doing to work towards a professional degree in public service and also the peer, peer review type system? Thank you, Chair.
1: Thank you, Honorable Tim, Dr. Seth, for those questions. Let me then move over to Honorable Dango.
2: Chairperson, I will try and be effective, efficient, and economical with time. Uh, The first question is the APRM. There's going to be challenges there because these are outside and it's measuring um, persons who may not be, who are not South Africans. It is measuring other African leaders. Uh, Can I please explain to us how that is going to happen? Uh, Chairperson, then the question of Baatopela. I still have to walk into a police station where the Baatopela principles are up and prominent where people can see them. Are we talking only about compliance when we're talking about uh, audits? Are we talking about efficacy and delivery uh, so that it can be measured uh, as to what has been delivered and not only filling in the blocks for compliance? Uh when are we going to move to one public service, Chairperson? The question of ethics and whistleblowers if whistleblowers are motivated by race, if mo- 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 whistleblowers are, are, are motivated by by hatred of any kind, is that taken into context and will should that be uh taken into context when they look at? Honorable Tim has covered me on lifestyle audits. I think uh, we've da- dealt with that. And then the question of hackathons. Uh, how has how, how the Department of State Security looked at hackathons? Because that could be quite a dangerous thing to encourage that kind of thing. The SAAU agreements, what does the AEU want in, the, in, in return? Um, let me leave it there, Chairperson, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Honorable
8: Dango, Honorable ah, Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, greetings to the Minister, um, the, the DG and the uh, DGs and the leadership of uh, the institutions. Um, that are reporting here uh, this uh, evening. Um, Chair, if I may start with the department. I I just want to see, because I see these priorities uh, running across uh, uh, the department and the institution, um, uh, priority number one. Uh, I just want to check why only focusing on priority number one. Because when you look at other priorities, you will find that they are also relevant uh, to the department. Uh, but uh, the focus is only on, on priority number one. If I can just uh, get, uh, get clarity uh, uh, on that check. um uh, Also, I wanted to check uh, with regard to, because this is a department that should always uh, be exemplary. Uh, uh, I just want to check why it, it, it has an acting position uh, on DDG uh, for negotiation, uh, which is a critical program. Um, and also how long has this uh, position been vacant? Uh, and also if we could get a clarity on the HRMT, uh, there's a name of Ms. Clark uh, as well as the acting uh, DDG uh, Marcel Wilson, can we just clarity there? Um, also, on the 2020 to 2025 uh, MSTS uh, uh, targets, uh, but this is also in the APP, can I just just, just get clarity? There's a talk of uh, the regulations uh, for Palma uh, 2014, uh, which uh, are still to be submitted uh, to the relevant stakeholders. I don't know what those uh, relevant stakeholders uh, for their concurrence uh, by 2024. But simultaneously, you are in the process of uh, tabling uh, amendments uh, to the same PAMA, which again, you will need to have uh, regulations. So even before. These are conquered by these uh, relevant uh, 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 stakeholders. You would already have another new amendment act. So why go through the issue of regulation? Why don't you wait uh, for uh, the amendments uh, to Palma before you you deal with the regulations? Uh, Because for me, there's confusion there because it's going to be a repetition while you deal with the uh, uh, regulation, but also you're making amendments to PAM, which ultimately will also again have to have uh, a regulation. But also why it has taken so long, because this is a 2014 uh, uh, act, uh, but uh, you only introducing uh, to the relevant uh, stakeholders the regulations now in this financial year. so I just needed the clarity uh, with regard to that, uh, Chair. Um, on, on Program One, I, I just want to focus on the uh, issues that are not uh, reflected uh, on, on Program One. Uh, the issue of uh, the percentage um, of, of, uh, of on procurement, for example, uh, for women. Uh, president said that uh, 40% of procurement should go to women. Uh, there, there's not, the, the department is silent uh, with regard to that. Uh, actually, should be the chamber uh, of, of such as an, uh, as an example. And there's nothing with regard to the youth and the people with uh, disability. I've, with regard also to people with disability, when it comes to Uh, vacancies, I've always uh, thought that uh, it is a department that came up with a 3% for the people with disability. Uh, But uh, the department is lagging behind compared to other uh, departments who are already at 3% uh, on people um, people with disabilities. Uh, But also on the payment uh, period, uh, that is within 30 days, the uh, uh, department is silent with regard to uh, uh, that uh, in, uh, target or indicator. Because uh, the department keeps on talking about uh, uh, fighting corruption. This is an area also uh, where corruption is involved. Uh, many of uh, small businesses uh, uh, collapsed uh, because uh, uh, departments won't pay on time. Uh, but in some situation, uh, 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 businesses has, uh, have to bribe uh, those that are in the supply chain for them to be paid. Uh, so if you're fighting uh, corruption, this is one of the areas that uh, you must focus on and that you must uh, report on, even in your APPs, uh, that you are meeting uh, uh, the deadline of 30 days. Um, on program two, I just need the clarity um, with regard to you talking about the legislative framework in, 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 in with regard to the mandatory in-service training uh, for public work. And now, uh, when you talk about legislative uh, framework, I thought that we're going to have a bill and then ultimately an act uh, that governs this area. But then... In terms of uh, the indicators and the target, you're talking about the directive on mandatory in-service training uh, for public service. If you can clarify for me, uh, because you continue with this uh, directive on mandatory in-service, and I don't see anything that refers to the legislative uh, 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 framework. And as legislators, we're supposed to be involved uh, with regard to that. I just want to find out then on Program 3 with regard to the collective bargaining policy, if there is going to be involvement of unions in terms of consultation and and them making inputs uh, with regard to the policy and also whether the policy will be discussed uh, at NETLAC uh, where also other social partners uh, are involved. I've been trying to to check with this review generic uh, functional structure uh, for program one, which is administration. I'm trying to understand why is it uh, under program three? Why it cannot be done by uh, program one? What is the relationship between program three and this particular uh, uh, generic functional structure uh, for program one? Uh, if you can just clarify it. I was trying to listen to the personal expenditure review. I couldn't get uh, the details as, as, as to what is it that you want to review specifically uh, with regard to the expenditure. I was listening uh, attentively. Uh, if you can come back again and give us some details as, as what you will be uh, really doing. I think most uh, members have uh, talked to the issue of the last audits uh, um, I see, I'm also interested to know more because I think the process is a bit slow. Uh, but also I wanted to check if uh, there is any uh, working together with uh, SAS. Because SAS uh, for a very long time has been doing a uh, selected uh, uh, lifestyle audits. Uh, I just wanted to find out if you're also working together with them uh, with regard to this. Um, on e-government uh, services, I, I just want to check because at some stage, I think that towards the end of last year, we we found out that uh, the Department of Justice uh, was hacked. Uh, to what extent is the is e-government services uh, and uh, information management would be able uh, to to prevent uh, such? Uh, taking place uh, in other departments as well. Uh, On Program 5, I don't know if uh, this would perhaps uh, be more relevant uh, to PSC uh, because I wanted to check uh, whether from time to time the department or perhaps the PSC do conduct uh, surveys around the issue of satisfaction uh, by the citizen with regard to uh, service delivery, uh, but also uh, I was thinking along the lines of maybe having complaints and compliment boxes uh, in, in the departments where uh, members of the public uh, can 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 uh, write with, uh, their level of satisfaction or whether they are not satisfied, and then perhaps a uh, PSC. Uh, Would be the only ones that are able uh, to open those boxes and, uh, and 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 perhaps see uh, to what level or extent the 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 the, the electorate or the citizen uh, are satisfied uh, uh, with the with the service that is rendered by the department. Uh, lastly, on the department itself, um, the the fact that uh, I mean, departments most of them close at uh, half past four. When there are some workers who are still at work uh, during that, can um, the department, uh, as a as a, a champion of public service, uh, perhaps look uh, at that? Chair, when I come to then Centre for Public Service Innovation, I know it's got two programmes, um, but uh, will always make. Uh, uh, raise the fact that uh, under administration, we we would like to know uh, the vacancy rate, if there's any, Uh, the issues that I've highlighted around the issue of procurement of 40%, procurement towards youth and people with disability, the issue of 30-day payment period. Uh, They talk of also two intents. I want to check if those two intents will be at some stage Uh, be absorbed uh, within the the structures of the uh, institution. Uh, The executive director, uh, who's uh, vacant, the position is vacant, and it is said that they are under In fact, the the position has been advertised. I just want to know first, how long has this uh, position been vacant? And uh, when are the interviews going to take place? And when uh, are we going to have a a permanent uh, or the executive director? Uh, On the issue of uh, innovation initiatives, uh, there's a mention of Department of uh, uh, Home Affairs, uh, real-time service delivery, monitoring. I just want to check to what extent does it uh, assist? Because if you go to any uh, Department of Home Affairs uh, offices, you find long queues. I just want to check how does then this innovation uh, help to reduce uh, 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 those queues. Even though uh, the report is, is a combination of uh, uh, annual report as well as uh, APPs, uh, the, I don't know when we invite you to come to present your annual report. What is it that you're going to do? Because they are already uh, giving us your annual re- I mean, report uh, when we're dealing with the, the APP. Um, then on MTEF budget, uh, under transfers and the subsidies uh, on Center for Public Service Innovation, there's 1,000 rand. There uh, just goes across uh, uh, if ca- I can get clarity for what is this uh, uh, 1000 uh, uh, that is under uh, transfers and uh, uh, subsidies. Chad, so I, I, I don't have a question on the National uh, School of Government, but I just wanted to, I, I didn't uh, deliberately raise this issue of uh, the, the PSC because I've raised it uh, previously. Uh, so I thought this time around I must uh, just uh, keep quiet um, because I was I raised it in the past that in terms of the Constitution, uh, 196 uh, Subsection 5, the the PSC is accountable to the National Assembly. It, it's 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 clear there under uh, Subsection 5, but also the DG. Uh, also indicated uh, section 196, subsection uh, 4E that they report once uh, to the um, National Assembly uh, about their activities. But what what I want to suggest uh, is that uh, perhaps we need to get uh, a legal opinion from the parliamentary uh, legal unit and uh, the procedural unit. um, uh, whether PSC uh, can cause maybe clarity on this thing that and they say a section that says it's accountable to the NA. Uh, does it mean that uh, uh, PSC cannot uh, table its uh, annual performance plans uh, to the NCOP? It cannot uh, table its annual report uh, uh, to the NCOP so that we get clarity uh, on, on on those two areas, uh, so that we, we not take as to whether we should invite them to come uh, uh, or not to come. Um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to uh, that perhaps we 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 have a clarity uh, on that. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, chair.
1: Uh, for the number for the uh, questions posed, uh, I also have uh, some few some few questions uh, to to pose. Uh, <clears throat> let me uh, uh, start with the following questions. To to, to, to the department, uh, <clears throat> uh, the, the first question will be whether, as a department, uh, and correctly so, because we are uh, at uh, at midterm review of uh, of of five our year for our five year plan, can, uh, the department uh, uh, indicate to us as whether, are we on course in what the national, de- national development <laughs> on uh, building the capable, ethical, and development. Uh, th- this is important uh, because uh, uh, <clears throat> uh the uh, the NDP also says that uh, it is important that we have uh, zero tolerance to corruption. Uh, and uh, <coughs> uh, it will be important just to get a sense as to whether uh, uh, given the target by the NDP, can the department uh, uh, allay our fears in terms of all the programs that it has uh, alluded to particularly around uh, 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 zero tolerance to corruption, around lifestyle audit, around uh, ensuring that uh, employees or senior managers uh, of all government departments go through the vetting process. Are we we on course uh, to have a zero tolerance? I think this is important also because even the the medium-term strategic framework, uh yeah <clears throat> uh, and Sona. uh, uh is categorically saying that yeah, uh, we need to intensify our fight against corruption and and, uh, and also we need to ensure that we promote anti-corruption practices in the public service and and uh, uh, therefore it becomes important that uh, we get a sense from from the department as to whether uh, are we on course uh, <clears throat> uh, in terms of uh, the office of uh, compliance and standards uh, uh, as established uh, in phase one uh, in terms of uh, implementing uh, the Public Service Management Act. Uh, can we get a sense in terms of what are the lessons learned uh, uh, from the, the business case that was established in Phase One, uh, in order to to uh, uh, give clarity in terms of what we expect from Phase Two uh, of uh, of the regulations because uh, it was indicated that uh, a business case was established in phase one and that uh, phase two will be uh, centered around the regulations uh, the, <clears throat> the 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 uh, the question will be what concrete support uh, do the the, the department give to provinces, but uh, with regard to compliance with the public administrative uh, uh, legislative prescript. Uh, the, the next one will be, uh, uh, what will be uh, the attributes uh, of what the department is currently developing in the form of service delivery model, uh, in line with the district, district development model, uh, <clears throat> uh, on the on the on uh, the table of uh, both the public service amendment bill and the public administration amendment bill, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the, the question that's posed by. Honorable, 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 hi. Uh, the, in the next uh, question uh, goes to the, the, Center for Public, uh, uh, Public uh, Service and Innovation. Uh, I, I'll be more interested in trying to get a sense in terms of uh, uh, given given the emphasis on, uh, on 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 innovation and uh, a number of uh, uh, departments uh, identified, it will be important to get a sense uh, because you have alluded to the fact that uh, there is. Uh, uh, a full in terms of uh, the province of Northwest, in terms of the province of Eastern Cape, and the province of Free State, in terms of e-learning solution. Uh, it will be important to get a sense in terms of uh, how do we how do we ensure that, uh, uh, given the fact that, how in terms of its uh, its. Uh, <clears throat> It's, it's uh, a usage of uh, uh, smart bots, uh the 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 pocket the pocket uh, uh, library, and 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 also the cyber the 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 cyber tools. Uh, how do we ensure that uh, this program? Is uh, uh, distributed to. Uh, is is is. I mean, the lessons learned from these programs is also then uh, used in uh, other provinces that necessarily might be uh, starting to use this uh, program for the for this uh, for this year or from the last year, uh, because definitely there will be less. There will be lessons, and then because. Uh, we have seen in terms of the outcome of grade 12, both holding and Free State uh, are are always ahead uh, of other provinces. And I want to believe that probably it could be as a result of the input of this even solution uh, in in schools. The, The next one, Chair, to, to the National School of Government, will, 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 will be on the. the, 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 the uh, in terms of 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 your achievements, it, it might also be leading to the question that Honourable High has raised in terms of achievement. Uh, the target was uh, the target was uh, twenty twenty thousand. In the first year, uh, you reach 43,411 and you characterise this as a 166% achievement. Uh, is there a reason to suggest that uh, uh, we, we, we sort of uh, underestimated our, our ability to excel uh, why was the target set so low? No? So low, no? uh, because uh, this early indicates that in terms of planning, we should have uh, we should have had an opportunity to set our target at a very high level. Not set it at twenty thousand, then we uh, we achieve Uh But the the next one will, will be on the. On on, on 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 keeping giving the the, the, the uh, key era, key issues that were raised by by uh, the zondo commission uh, it will be important to, to 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 get a sense from the from the principal uh, whether uh, project management financial management uh, Change management and senior management level uh, courses uh, would not be a priority, uh, so that we are then able to, to 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 mitigate some of the challenges that we are that that, that we observe from the Zondo Commission, uh, which in most cases could have been facilitated by by the management and hence the importance of uh, the courses around project management financial management, change management, and senior management level. The, the the second one related to that is uh, uh, the, the, the 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 view of the National School of Government around what measures do we have in place to mitigate the cybersecurity attack uh, uh, that uh, could derail uh, the digital learning uh, and also the the digitization, uh, of, uh, of 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 learning material, to avoid uh, the the uh, interruption of of, of of learning, and, and then uh, the, the the last one on national school of government will be, what, what, what is it that the that the school is doing to to improve its debt collection uh, strategy. Uh, to to avoid and mitigate uh, what was uh, raised to us with regard to the impact of the pandemic on your revenue uh, crisis management. Then uh, the, the the last one from the from the uh, uh, public service commission uh, uh, from my from, from from my from my province. Uh, I've seen that. Uh, uh, my commissioner has uh, uh, there's, there's a number of targets there. Uh, uh, the target around, I uh, just want the target around, around. Uh, uh, I've seen five of them, so I just want to understand what informs those targets under the provincial, uh, the province specific under uh, northern Cape is the disputed prevention in all departments in the northern Cape the implementation of protected disclosure act in terms of whistleblowing by departments and uh, the study on officials level eight and nine who are conducting business with the state in department of economic development and assessing the quality of services rendered in the northern Cape departments of health and social de- development the reason I'm raising this point is because I see that other provinces, uh and they will have one or two targets uh but of course uh, uh, let me pause there and then over to the to to, to, to the to, to the minister and the team over to you minister
3: uh, yes thank you very much uh, thank you very much chairperson uh, and uh, the honorable
1: members okay can the honorable minister just uh uh Correct. Uh, He's uh, he screen so that at least you are seen by the public. We are only seeing your your uh, half of yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Can again, again, again. Thank you.
3: <laughs> Thank
1: you. You see me now. Yes, we can see you, Honourable uh,
3: Minister. Thank you. <laughs> well, what I was saying, uh, chaperson Just one question, maybe the the DG will expand on
1: this. Can you correct it again, Minister? Because we're only seeing half of your face. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, maybe
3: the the DG will have to add on this. The issue of the, 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 the Zondo Commission, which has been released, the departments are hard at work in trying to put, to look at the recommendations and the various uh, possible actions they are going to take, putting a program. But that is going to be interdepartmental. It's not a single department coming with its own thing. And that is also going to be guided by the executive. Uh, that's, That's where we are with that particular process. But on all the others, because they are specific to the various entities, including the department, I will allow the DG to to respond and the various entities um, to to, to respond. Thank you,
1: Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister. DG?
4: Thank you. Um, Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, It's quite a number of questions. I have colleagues who are also in the call, so they should be able to take some of them. As I respond to questions, I'll also just refer to some of the colleagues and the Chair may take a decision whether you would like uh, the colleagues to, uh, to, to respond. Um, the first questions around the technical advisory unit, which relates to the number of prosecutions, the lifestyle audits, how far are we, the situations where uh, audits have not tied up with the salaries of the people, what has happened, uh, uh, the impact uh, of the technical advisory unit generally on things like doing business with the state, some of the projects, how many prosecutions. Um, I ha- we have on the in line here, uh, the, the chief director who's responsible for the technical advisor unit, Dr. Solomon the chair may decide if he wants him to respond now or what i would rather suggest is that perhaps the committee could set aside some time and get a very detailed briefing on the work of the technical advisory unit and some of the um, successes challenges as well as the impact of the work that we, we we are picking up in the system the zondo commission response i think the minister has covered the matter sufficiently i don't have to add anything then there was an issue around the targets related to the APRM. I just wanted to clarify here that um, the APRM, there's a country, there's a country leg, there's an Africa leg. So as the department, we are responsible for certain deliverables that relate to the country leg. In the previous financial year, we completed the process of. Um, a review our own review, second generation review um, uh, in terms of the APRM instrument as a country. The president launched uh, the report in in February, and now the processes are around developing the 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 the. Um, the the action plan in terms of implementing some of the issues coming out of that particular report and recommendations. So there's lots of work that we're doing that is internally focused in South Africa. Of course, we have partners that are in the Africa region that we work with and we also benchmark with in respect to our work. But our targets are really about things that we can be able to deliver on. The concerns around pillar principles, I think it's feedback that we get um everywhere we have gone back to cabinet around but to be the principles in terms of moving it to beyond being a campaign, but to have specific measurables or issues that we are targeting that we are working on the standards that we issue for departments. One of the standards that we're working on currently just relates to a basic issue like human management. So if we have an agreed standard around queue management with departments, and then we monitor the implementation of that standard so that we don't have a situation where in winter we have long queues of people who are standing for to get into whether it's SARS or it's home affairs or it's the post office. Um, I missed the question around ethics and whistleblowers. I don't know if uh, my colleagues were able to pick up what the specific question was on that one. But however, it uh, the, the Chief Director Technical Advisory Unit can also give a briefing on some of the work that we're doing around ethics and whistleblowers. There was also another question on why we're focusing on priority number one. So how work of government is organized in, in, in the MTSF program Uh, deliverables for DPSA and uh, entities that work with the DPSA, those countries that we call the center of government, their work is organized under priority one. It does not mean we don't work with other priorities because we provide a supporting role in other priorities, but our key programs are are, are residing within priority one. Why acting positions? The DDG, negotiations position was vacant from december uh, uh, 2020 and uh, we we have not been able we 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 advertised twice and inter- and and we have struggled to find the the, the right candidate to meet this uh, position and we currently have a, a ddg who's acting in the position we have had to go back and review the specifications of the position and it's a process now that we are, process, we are going to process with the minister so that they could be, at the right time, a, a re-advertisement of the position itself. We've had to go back, review the specs, as well as do a job evaluation exercise on after reviewing the specs. hrm and team Ms. Clark and DDG acting DDG Marcel. Ms. Clark is a DDG appointed for this role, but is on suspension. And therefore, DDG Marcel was uh, acting at the time. Um, um, of this report, and um, uh, so, um, however, DDG Marcel is no longer acting now, we have another person who acting because the the case, um, uh, the suspension and the case, the disciplinary case of DDG Clark has not yet been completed. Regulations for Parma 2014, so there's two process here. The regulations, we started the regulations in the 2019-20 financial year, but the cumbersome process of getting stakeholders to agree on the regulations, in particular, Salga, uh, Minister of Finance and Minister of uh, Cogta, uh, has taken a very long time. We only received all three concurrences that we required in the last quarter of the of the past financial year. So uh, that, but that's where that, that's where that started in twenty nineteen. Uh, I think nineteen twenty financial year. And um, we, we, we are hoping that these regulations will be passed and implemented within the current financial year that we are in at the moment. They are not going to wait for 2024. The second issue linked to this is the amendment bill. So the issues that are being addressed, are addressed in, the, in the regulations are not issues that are addressed in the amendment bill. The amendment bill is a different process. We have worked on the amendment bill as DPSA. It's still with the and council processes for for consultations, and it will go to, to Parliament in the current term. Uh, we had a plan to take it to Parliament at the end of the financial year, but we did not achieve that target because the minister at the time took back the documents for further review and further input by uh, the bargaining council. And those documents have not come out of the system of the bargaining council yet. The collective bargaining policy is an internal policy. Uh, that guides our, uh, us internally in government around or in the department around how we deal with the um, um, uh, bargaining uh, processes. It's also been uh, influenced by decisions that have come out of courts in respect to how the department has handled the 2018 uh, uh, issues uh, of uh, negotiations and agreements. So it does not need that level of um, consultation that also goes to network and et cetera, Um, because it is an internal um, management tool that we are working on. The the generic functional structures uh, review, why on program three? Because how DPSA is arranged is that program one focuses on internal departmental issues, program two, three, four, five, focuses on supporting government directly, national and provincial governments, the monitoring, the mandate issues that we have to deal with. So the review of program ones is a structure that is is a program that cuts across all departments. We're reviewing all program ones of all departments. What has triggered this is basically that we always get complaints that program 1 takes all the resources in departments is overloaded there's too many people in program 1 so this review is aimed at looking at where we how we manage the growth of program 1 but also linked to this is a review that we're doing on regulations and um, uh, with the aim of uh, reducing red, red tape in the public service. The president has spoken a lot about the issue of red tape. So from our side, we are doing some work around how we reduce the red tape in terms of some of the regulations that we have that we can be able to live without or that have even made an impact. Um, do we benchmark with SARS uh, or do we talk with SARS on lifetime audits? Yes, we've benchmarked with SARS. We've learned a lot, for, a lot from them. And it has, it has influenced our strategy. Um, uh, e-government services, to what extent would we be able to prevent hacking uh, that takes place like it has happened at NSG and at uh, Justice? There is a colleague here who is uh, Mr. Mdawu, who is also an acting DDG who is responsible, who can provide a response in respect to this. Um, The other issue, are we on course in building a capable ethical state? I can only just say for now, there's lots of interventions that are being put together to build a capable and capable state and an ethical state. And um, uh, yes, I think we are on course, but I do think that there's a lot of coordination that needs to take place and sharing in terms of resources. In terms of the, the, the decisions and the, 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 the priorities of a chapter, uh, I mean of priority one, which is our responsibility as this cluster or as this portfolio, I think that there's a lot of work that's happening there. And we can, again, uh, isolate some of those projects or programs specifically on the capacity of the state that the committee may want to get more information on there was a question about vetting of employees are we on course i just want to indicate that in terms of our regulations there is no employee who should be employed in the public service without at least the basic security screening that confirms that their qualifications are not fake, that confirms that they don't have a, a, a criminal record. If they have a criminal record, they declare it properly, that they are not sitting in any boards. If they're sitting in any boards, it must not be businesses that are doing government business with the state and etc. So that process, our regulations require each and every employee to go through that process. Then there's a higher level of vetting that gets done for Um, uh, people at senior level, I think at SMS level and other portfolios, which is usually done by SSA, where SSA has experienced a lot of um, backlog, they've indicated that they've not been able to do their work maximally due to COVID, but they've generally struggled with the backlogs in terms of this work. Um, uh, But this basic security screening gets, gets done before appointments are made. OSC, what are the lessons learned from the business case or on establishment of OSC? We've used the previous financial year really for OSC to find itself and to develop a program. And um, in terms of our plans in the current financial year, they should be really doing some work in respect to approach to, 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 the, to their mandate. One of the things that we have picked up in the benchmarking and that we have done with standards and audit bodies is that... The OSC should focus more on assessment um, of capacity, of compliance, of capabilities instead of audits, because AG already does audits. Uh, So there's some work there that the colleagues are doing to ensure that we build capacity in terms of enforcement, in terms of our assessment capability. Uh, What concrete support do the department give to provinces We work very closely with the provinces. We have lots of engagements with them on a quarterly basis. Um, As part of my responsibilities, I I do lots of work with provinces, directly going to provinces to engage with them on matters of compliance and matters of capacity of the state. And we have received high levels of cooperation. Many provinces are improving in terms of their compliance. We have done a report on assessing their compliance in the past financial year. And we have indicated to them that these reports we are going to do them annually. So we should be able to brief the committee as well on the state of compliance of provinces. But I am picking up some, we are picking up improvements in certain areas um, uh, of, of, of the work. They, they are keen to learn and improve on how they are doing things, uh, the DGs in provinces. Uh, support to DTM, there are colleagues here who are dealing with the district development model. They should be able, um, uh, from from the service delivery unit, they should be able to give specific detail. But I can say that one of the work we've been doing is around support on the one plan in terms of um, uh, supporting the capabilities uh, in relation to uh, to DDM, I know that uh, the principal as well at NSG has been doing some work with local government, looking at uh, training, more training for local for employees from local government. There was a, a, a comment or a question. The last one I picked up around the thousand rents per month agreement. This was an agreement uh, that was done uh, out of the negotiations uh, for 2021. Uh, the, the key agreement there was that there were, would be a 1,000 rents once-off payment as, 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 as a salary increase for colleagues. Uh, and then there would be a 1.5% that goes into the baseline, which means it will affect the pensions in terms of improving the pensions, the increases with pensions, and et cetera. So there is an agreement signed between labor and government in respect to that uh, w- uh, to that one thousand uh, rents per month, which uh, employees are getting. Um, chair, from my side, I have tried to answer all the questions I've picked up. I might have missed some critical mm-hmm. questions. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And chair, you will guide on what you want to do about some of the Questions I couldn't answer. I've, I've, I've suggested that colleagues may answer, or we may just have to come back to some of them because they are detailed and brief. The committee. Thank you, Chair.
1: Thank you, DG. Uh, I've, uh, I've uh, <clears throat> observed that we are almost uh, uh, reaching the the, the, uh, the time, which uh, makes it then a bit difficult. Uh, for other <coughs> uh institution to, to to respond uh we we will then uh, uh agree that the that the uh, entities uh, uh together with the department uh, can uh, give us those responses in writing within the next coming seven days uh, so that as we as we table uh, the report to the House, it should uh, include the, the responses that's given by uh, by the department and also uh, the uh, the center for for public service innovation, uh, the the uh, National School of Government, and also the the Public Service Commission. Uh, having said that. Uh, let me then uh, uh, give over to the minister, just the last word before we, we close the meeting.
4: Uh,
1: the, is the minister still around or the deputy, deputy minister? GM? I'm still around. Oh, oh. Uh, your last, your last. I, word. I, because uh, because my, my of the pressure of time, we will respect, we'll expect the, the the team to give us uh, responses in writing within the next coming seven days, uh, Minister. Any last word from your side? What I can say, Chairperson um,
3: and Honourable Members, we we have listened and we have taken notes the concerns. And uh, we will always take your, your, your comments or your concerns and criticisms as constructive in order for us to be able to, to improve, and uh, in particular the service delivery, because that's what is key. And I think the whole issue of professionalizing the public service is very central, where we have to talk about the new values we have to talk about, the new cultures of work and and the ethics. It's a very serious matter. And one of the issues which has been raised until such time that as government, and in particular, we are able to digitize, uh, we will not be able to improve the service delivery. So the issue of ICT becomes very central in improving service delivery in this in this in this country if if we have to have new ways of working thank you very much for all the comments there's nothing negative it's just building us and uh, we will stick to that thank you
1: thank you thank you honorable minister uh, let me then uh, take this opportunity on behalf of uh, the honorable members of the Select committee uh uh of transport, public wealth and infrastructure and public service, uh, extend a word of gratitude uh, to, to, to you, minister, uh, and, and your team, uh, together with the school principal, uh, the, the uh, chair, the chair of the uh, public service commission, uh, and my fellow commissioners, and to this, the DG and his and her management, and also the parliamentary staff in the form of this committee secretary and, uh, and uh, the researcher uh, say that indeed, you help us to ensure that uh, by the 17th of uh, June, we'll be able to formally uh, Ensure that uh, we we pass all our uh, our budgets because of the work that we are doing because of the seriousness within which you took this exercise. So with those few words, the meeting stands adjourned.
7: Recording stopped.
4: Thank you. Recording in
7: progress. Thank
3: you,
1: chair. Thank you, you, chair. Thank
3: you.
4: Thank you, chair.
1: Thank you,
6: members. Recording stopped. Everyone. (laughs)
3: Man, that's well, it, Amanda.
1: Amanda, <laughs> Thank you, comrade minister. Thank you, comrade. Thank you, chair. We'll thank, see you, chair.
3: thank you,
0: comrade. Uh, thank you very much, comrade team. Thank you. <laughs>